we good with our levels here? Mic check, one, two. Mic check, one, two. Can you hear me? Can I hear you? Check. Yeah. Yes, indeed. We sure can. Microphone check. Micro microphone checker. Is that clear enough? Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, now. Everybody got the nice little background. You know, Woo-hoo. at least, you know. Okay, SNM, I see you back there. Okay. Well, no, this is nice artwork and stuff. Did you paint that yourself? Is that is that yeah, you right there? No, I didn't paint that. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, I saw your Halloween costume. It was nice. Oh, thank you, thank you. So yeah, look, it was yeah, yeah. it was actually crazy because um, I learned some valuable lessons. Um, the first lesson was the dress was too damn short, and so I spent most of the night with my ass cheeks partly out. <laughs> Luckily, I had tights on, and okay. so. Unluckily for me, my husband is very touchy feely <laughs> for once he has more alcohol, more drinks, whatever's clever. And I was like, this dress is short. Can can you please keep your hands on the dress and not where you keep placing them? Cause it just makes it a little bit shorter. <laughs> and <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I would appreciate I, that. <laughs> I'm not mad at him. You know what I mean? That's what I mean, it's made for. Married though. <laughs> that is true. Okay. That is true. And so it was hilarious because I swear to God, I thought he was molesting me on the dance floor at one point. I'm like, do we need to take it to the bathroom? Like, do we need to go somewhere else? I'm, I support this 100%. Like, just okay, tell me. Okay. It didn't sound like you was at first. Sound like you was, you <laughs> me too. Support I support it. that 100% like too. <laughs> well, at first, I was like, let's be a little modest. The dress is a little shorter than what I thought it was going to be. Yes, I tried it on. It didn't look as short until I put all the accessories and so forth. And it was like, oh, snap. It's a little short than what I thought so but thank you I appreciate that you know he went as Two-Face and he told me he was too pretty to put his mask on so I said all righty then (laughs) (laughs) but he he had his goons with him so it was good I championed that you know what I'm saying that's actually good for him you know what I'm saying I don't know what you was talking about at first it sounded like he wasn't with it you say I do that means you always do for now and forever (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like another main topic (laughs) Uh, these are all just jokes I can't wait till we get the disclaimer at the top of the show oh yeah we just feel comfortable to just kick the shit as we normally do. Y'all ready to get this thing all started? For sure, for sure. What go on? What go on? What go on? What's up, people? <laughs> What's up? What's up? All good. All good. Let's like one more time. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> What's How you doing? Look, man. Look, you came in with this with this middle middle energy. Sorry. This uh, what go on? What go on? You know what I mean? You gotta what go on, brother? What go on? Yeah, exactly. Talk to me. So we just try to match your energy and whatnot. You know. Facts. Yeah. So, yes. other than my Halloween party, you know, how was y'all week? Like, what y'all been up to? Ooh, let me see. Uh, uh, man, uh, I got nothing, man. I've just been chilling at the crib, just working, dealing with the kids, uh, you know, gardening in the backyard. Uh, nothing really fancy has popped out. I think I'm gonna try to, to work on more of my social media presence. So I'm gonna start posting more or whatever. So as soon as I figure out how to do that, I'll have a lot more to tell you. Oh, I did get my first little like feisty little pushback 
in the comment section on one of our videos, right? Somebody felt some type of way about me saying that men weren't the prize. <laughs> I guess he was surprised. And uh, so, you know, he, he felt some type of way. And uh, hopefully he heard back in my response to his comments where I was coming from or whatever, and he could step out of his feelings um, if he happened to be in them. Maybe he wasn't, I don't know. But it was fun, though. I appreciate the feedback, folks. Mm -hmm. I had somebody call me about uh, the same clip, as a matter of fact. They wanted me to explain it. One of my friends that was watching the, the, the pod or whatever. I love the feedback, people. So you ain't got to agree with me to get back at me. I don't mind. And I'll chop it up because I stand on whatever I say. It's all like that. Might drop. Yeah. Talk to him, Jay. Talk to him. Yeah, I, I enjoyed my first, you know, for the most part. Um, no, the week was good, man. But you know what I really wanted to talk about today? And I wanted to ask y'all this question too, right? <clears throat> is it me or does it seem like the customer service across the board has gotten significantly worse? You know what I'm saying? Like, you ever like call about anything, a bill, you need some records from this, that, and the third, like... I spent so many countless hours trying to get some paperwork because, you know, everything requires paperwork. You call the first person, you tell them your problem, say, yeah, I got you. You happen to call back. There's no notes. That first person didn't take no notes. So now you got to tell the second person. Though so I'm so <clears throat> paranoid right now about customer service that even when the first person tells me it's all good, I call back again to validate, to make sure that they added the notes. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, so what does the note say? Because I just want to know <laughs> if, if it's been documented, right? And so many times it has not been. I don't know about y'all, man, but customer service is out of control. And we're going to talk about it in one of our hot topics, but it's called customer service, man. <laughs> you know, I had this one lady tell me, she was like, sir, I'm doing the best that I can. And I'm thinking to myself, as if that's not a, it's an excuse to not be good enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. if the best that you are is not quite good, good enough. enough, that doesn't right. serve me. You telling me that you're incapable and or incompetent does not serve me as a customer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do. I do. Is my, so I don't, is it just me? Is it just, let me know. Is it just me or customer service seems just going to the shitter? You know what I'm saying? As it relates to like pills pandemic for sure. I'm I'm of the impression the customer service has been dead. Mm. It's been dead. It was it, and this is not xenophobic or anything, but it started to die somewhere around the time we started to outsource our our customer tech support jobs because there became a, a communication barrier, partially, right? And then um, but that's when I noticed it the most. I think fast food showed it. First, when they started pulling people around because they didn't really have the time together and your order wasn't ready, they was faking and it made you pull up. I think that started like look, the deterioration. I think that Chick-fil-A, besides the fact that I think somebody said they their chicken got like 13 different secret ingredients that probably shouldn't be in there, kind of like they're trying to clone Tyrone. Right. Anyway, um, but one of the reasons um, I think Chick-fil-A blew allegedly, up. I was like, message. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Pause. Uh, so yeah, allegedly. But I think Chick-fil-A blew up because their customer service was always so consistent. The one thing you could count on when you went to Chick-fil-A was the customer service was gonna be pretty good. People are gonna be friendly, they're gonna have you order together, they're gonna get your food out to you. I haven't been to a Chick-fil-A yet that has let me down, and there are very few places of business that I feel like I can say that about. So I think customer services is dying. I think people are dissatisfied with their lives and their life choices, uh, particularly their their professions. I think it shows. And I also think that 
corporations aren't really taking care of their employer. And if your employer is not happy, they're not going to make the, the, the workers happy. So, you know, it, it starts at the, at the top and then it comes down from there. Yeah, man. What's yeah, up, I, you I agree with that. No, I agree with that. I think that customer service in some places, depending on if they're still based on commission, then customer service may still be good. But places where there's no commission, then everybody honey, um, honey badgers. No one gives an F, right? <laughs> it's like, well, I'm here. This is a job. I'm doing what mm. I need to do to get to where I need to go in life or mm. at least to pay my rent and or to buy groceries or to get gas. And so no one comes with the mind frame of, Oh, well, it's customer service for a reason. And so well, I think that's just a sign of the times where we are and where we're at now. So Yeah, like people crazy. are here to collect a check instead of providing mm -hmm. a service. Listen, I realize it's so bad, bro. So I'm, I'm going to tell us a little quick story and I'm going to pass it to you, S&M. So she, she said I had to wait four to five minutes for her to write this letter. So I waited four to five minutes. Then she came back on the line and said, hey, my system had to restart. I'm going to call you right back. So I'm thinking, okay, she's going to call me back, have it all done, just confirm everything. No, she calls me back in like seconds just to put me back on the phone again to wait for four to five more minutes. <laughs> then she came back after for four to five more minutes. I said, ma'am, can I ask a quick question? So you you told me to wait four to five <laughs> minutes or whatever, right? You were going to call me back. You called me right back just to wait for another four to five minutes, right? And all of a sudden she started getting defensive. And all I was doing was pointing out, cause I was like, I wanna make sure I understood what just happened on this recorded line, <laughs> by the way, in case she wanted to make it seem like I'm tripping, all I did was repeat <laughs> what just occurred. And she started having an attitude with me, like I'm tripping, you know what I'm saying? I don't waited 14, 15 minutes on my dime while you getting paid. You're, you're getting paid for these 14, 15 minutes, right? But yeah, you're supposed to be serving me and I'm still not served, man. But go ahead, Esther, let's get the hot topics. <laughs> I was just trying to say, she did what she was supposed to do. She looked up whatever the hell she was supposed to look up and then had you wait some more because that's what you do when you call customer service. You do exactly that, you wait. And let's just understand oh, whatever, that. Man. Whatever, <laughs> man. That's not what I'm, I'm calling. You advocating for customer service. Wow. Mediocrity. Customer service. Wow. Mediocrity. Wow. <laughs> I don't want no mediocre. Wow. I don't want no mediocre. <laughs> not, not, it's, it's, it's giving <laughs> Shirley from the diner. It's really. Well, speaking of. <laughs> speaking of. Something <laughs> wow. being over, which means your right, phone call was finally to over. Shirley's out there. So, uh, yeah, so speaking of your phone call finally being over, Tamar Braxton engagement is over. So she was apparently engaged to this guy named J.R. Robinson, and uh, they met on this show called Queen's Court. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Queen's Court. I'm definitely not familiar with it at all. Um, and so I'm interested in hearing what are y'all guys, what are your thoughts on this? Is this news? Is this a big deal? And I only bring this up because there's some conversation piece about how, especially with black women, like, oh, she's stepping out. She's expanding her horizon. She's dating other men outside of her races. Uh, outside of her race. So what are y'all's thoughts? Nick, you want to go first? No, you seem to. Or, you said you knew the show, right? right? Yeah, so, I saw the show, man. So first off, who was here, you know? Disclaimer, I was watching it with my wife, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, sure. yeah, there it is. I mean, all right, so <laughs> my wife puts I mean, on I mean, I assume that already. Any real man know what time it was. You know what I'm saying? We already know. Stop right. You guys knew you watched Lifetime growing up. Stop playing. Go ahead. So you was watching Queen's Court. 
Yeah, I'm going to let that pass. All right, so Queen's Court, uh, she had a lot of black. She had di different races on the show. It, there were, it was a, a, a very healthy uh, con contingent of black men there. Uh, but the one she connected with was this, this, this white guy, JR, who does work with black people. I think he works like in, in an industry that has a lot of black people in it or whatever. So she felt like his swag was such that, you know what I'm saying? They could come together on that. I guess she just wanted to try something new. Um, I was surprised that she picked him, but as you watch the show, you kind of see that she was kind of weeding out everybody else for that. Um, I think that I, I don't know enough about the breakup except to say, um yo people keep keep getting on the tamar train and getting off okay now that in itself is is i think a reason for tamar to have some self-reflection right because either her picker's a little off or her disclaimers and disclosures aren't that aren't full enough or uh she's just not she hadn't done the work yet that will make her compatible with the kind of people she's picking or most people right she had a bad week. I get it. And dude, she got her car broken into at her mama's house. I think something else happened. And then dude dropped her right after. Right? So whatever's going on, he didn't even want to stick around for her to feel better about the week she was having. Mm -hmm. He was like, I'm out and I'm done. That's pretty much all I know about it. So, you know, when you when you get with somebody who's not from your culture, um, sometimes their expectations are culturally based and are different from your expectations. Uh, the Jenny Mai Jeezy uh, uh, thing, right? And and that can cause friction. So I, I'm assuming that's where it came from and not saying that Tamar Braxton is undateable. I know it sounds like a soundbite, but I'm just saying. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, sometimes you just got to forgive people, man, and accept them with open arms. You know what I'm saying? I just want the Tamars of the world out there to know that, yes, you can go to the other side, but there's still home for you here, baby. You know? <laughs> I love it. They're still home. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I've never really heard her say a negative word towards black men in my nope, experience. Not at all. If somebody has heard of that, you know, definitely leave it in the comments. But I feel like people go out there, they try earnestly to find love. And sometimes, you know, they fall over on the other lily pad, but that's okay, baby. You know what I'm saying? Why are you doing the Goldie voice? I was just thinking that. I was like, what the hell is this, baby? What's, what is this? <laughs> Straight to you the know, top, baby. Because, <laughs> because, <laughs> because, baby, you know, I mean, <laughs> yes, stupid, yes, stupid. But no, okay, in all seriousness, though, in all seriousness, um, nah, man, I get it. You know, people, you know, like what they like in the moment. Things doesn't work out or whatever. Like I said, I don't think she said anything or did anything to make it seem like she was blaming black men for her choices or whatever. So I'm gonna give her grace. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And um, she still look good. You know what I'm saying? She still got some things going for her. Somebody's gonna give her grace, Jay. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is, and here's the and here's the crazy part. She gets probably a little bit more grace than maybe a lot of people will. So people thinking they can move like her, it's not going to benefit them. You know what I'm saying? She gets a little bit of grace because of who she is, et cetera, et cetera. So she'll get some more bites at the apple. You know what I'm saying? But I don't think a lot of people are in that position. So, you know, take with that what you will. But go ahead, SNL. So maybe. I personally thought... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please, please, SNL. Please, save us from the match. <laughs> it's the return of the fact. <laughs> so, 
Actually, um, so I give her kudos for, you know, being willing to test the waters and whatnot. But I do agree that um, she did. She's never pooped on black men on her way to test the waters elsewhere. And so I give her credit for that because that's one of the things that I think we as a community or individuals who's looking for love outside of your race is something that we should do. We shouldn't have to poop on your own to go look elsewhere. Like we shouldn't have to have uh, reasons and blame either black men or blame black women on why we're looking outside our race. So speaking of blame. Yeah, exactly. Right. Speaking mm. of blame, that's a perfect segue. Matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and just play this clip real quick. Cause I think you kind of get straight to it. And then we'll talk about it on the other side. Speaking of blaming your own people experiences with black women growing up wasn't so good when i started dating white girls my first experience with white girls was when i went to college i tried to date some black girls when i was in college they did not like me i was skinny i right. was strong right i was i was teased from high school even to college i got teased for being dark skinned damn so they, tease, was, they tease you cuz yeah so there was a lot of self a lot of self-esteem issues right 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 no, I'm, I'm being, I'm being yep. dead honest. So when I, it's when I got my opportunity, when my, my first experience with a white girl, I'm like, okay, it wasn't bad, but that wasn't, I just totally gravitated to, to white girls after that. Right. That wasn't the situation. So, yeah. So I think the video clip speaks for itself. Um, what are y'all thoughts on what you just heard and uh, the implications behind those words? Yeah. What do y'all think? I'm hearing a lot of pain. Uh, I, I, it, it reminds me of the uh, the Nas and Jay Z battle rap in Ether when Jay Z's like, uh, you know, you uh, girls called you ugly, but life's harsh. Hug me, don't reject me. I'll make records to disrespect me, let blatant or indirectly. Uh, I feel like he. Uh, I mean, as a person who grew up um, with low self esteem, all right, I did. Uh, I, I had. My first girlfriend clowned me in front of all our friends, like just clown me. I'm like, you're my girlfriend, right? What are you doing? Uh, but that didn't sour me on, on all black girls, right? Now, I did happen to date a myriad of different girls from different ethnicities uh, after that. So maybe it did. I don't know. But anyway, but when I got married, I married black, right? All three of my wives, not at the same time, were black. Um, <laughs> and um, I feel like I feel like he made a decision. Uh, he took the easiest route to the people he thought was, was vibing for him. And I'm not mad at him for that. I'm not mad at him at all. I think if anything, I think it's this um, pressure upon black men to conform to a certain image, right? In order to be deemed a valid suitor that probably is being reflected here. And because he didn't conform to that image, then the responses he got wasn't as positive as he wanted, so he went to whoever would accept him, right? I don't think, you know, I, I hate that he, you know, I don't know. That's my thoughts on it. I'll leave it there. What do y'all think? So I'm going to go ahead and pop this on the bottom. Was it preference or was it self-hatred, right? Because at the end of the day, we all got teased. Name me one Black person who wasn't teased by somebody of the opposite sex. And while I understand low self-esteem and, and I give them, um, props for actually speaking to that because a lot of times when we talk about men mental health we don't acknowledge it that it is rooted in self-esteem even some of the stuff with women's mental health is rooted in self-esteem issues so i give them props for that but to me to just say i, I was teased and low-key chat was like you was teased cuz 
Yes, you know? I was clouded low key. <laughs> a little bit. That was I hilarious. Was it did. It did. That was hilarious. You were tease cars? <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> So, you know, to me, that speaks exactly like we're all teased. We're, we all have things we have to overcome. I understand that's his preference now. Um, I think there are some words that could have been used differently, but people say what they say when they say it, how they say it, right? So when he said his first opportunity, like it was a privilege to have a white woman, right? Mm. It was my first opportunity. Oh, so it was mm. a privilege. Is that internalized self-hatred that you now mm. have the privilege or is it... And then for him to continue to have a preference towards white women, even though the white women he dated kind of dog walked him too. And not only that, he also get, he had folks, Karens on the street trying to call the police on him for various reasons, or at least one reason at one point. And so it's like, but you are calling out black women as a collective, but you're still treating these white women as individuals. I'm all for dating who you want to date, loving who you want to mm. love, but stop treating us as a collective and treat us individually. And I land there. Mm. Jay, do you want to respond to that real quick? I mean, got a I little like... bit of a pushback. Okay, great. So first off, I think that 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 to to sub, to take from it that he uh, he put white women on his pedestal. He's like, I got a, my first opportunity with a white woman. If I've never been to a, a Ethiopian restaurant, right, and and I'm going to sample some Ethiopian food, it's my first opportunity to sample the food. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that I think Ethiopian food is somehow superior to, like, say, Korean or whatever I'm eating, right? This is just my opportunity, my chance to partake in something I have not partaken in before, right? I don't. I, I cannot recall him making a disparaging remark about black women, except that he didn't like the way he was received by them. Now, I think that if there's a lesson to be drawn from this, the lesson to be drawn from this is um, how we men have long memories in terms of courtship. So how you reject a dude may affect how he chooses to approach or not approach someone like you in the future. So if you're that concerned about black men staying with black women, then when black women politely uh, 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 decline, right? then maybe they should do it in a way that doesn't discourage him from, from approaching another black woman. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, brother, you know what? You got some nice style, but it's not really my flavor, right? But I, I see what you're doing, and, you know, we can vibe, we can be friends. I'm just not clocking with it like that, right? There's a way to do it. That's all I'm saying. So maybe maybe it, the, whatever rejection he received was so harsh that it, it, it tempered his reactions. But I don't really think we can put him in the category of self-hatred. I don't. I, I, he's not doing any skin bleaching, right? He's he's not trying to. He's not pulling a Michael Jackson, right? Kind of white. Hey, right? he had what was so, it? Fertiligo uh, or something? I don't know what the hell it was called. <laughs> Let me stop. So I'm saying, I think I think it's more of a preference and self hatred. That's what I'm saying. So I don't know. Did you no, want to so, respond to that? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So look, I have I have no problem with preferences, right? If this is your preference, and even if your preference is predicated, because um, it should be predicated on your past experience. But once again, we also saw he had horrible experiences with white women, but that don't stop him from predominantly dating white women because he's judging them as individuals. He's not operating that they're all, all white women or most white women. And so, like I said, I don't have a problem with it. I support, you know, whoever you want to date, you date. And it is based on your personal experiences. He took the opportunity to talk about his personal experience. And maybe the teasing was detrimental. Maybe it was hurtful. Shit, my mama teased me. Yes, my mama. 
But yet you don't see me saying I hate my mama though. <laughs> or I dislike my mama. I or can't I'm be around my mama. mama. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let me go look for an adopted mama. <laughs> Where that white woman at who's gonna love me better than my mama? Okay, that may have been a stream. Let me stop. That may have been a little extreme and a slightly inappropriate example for this situation for comparison purposes. So I will acknowledge that. The point is, yes. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm, see, I'm going to help you out here. I'm going to help you out here. I'm just saying, saying my, my point is, can we stop being judged as a collective? And while I support his individual preferences and whatnot, let's start judging black women individually versus as a collective, let's move. Can we move towards that? Because that's no different than when black men are all lumped in as being thugs and criminals, just because the society supposedly portray black men as one way. So can we stop judging each other as a whole in, in that term, in that way? Okay. Nick? Um, so <laughs> Nick's like, I couldn't wait to get at you. <laughs> no, I mean, I think you guys make some really good points. Um, I can see it from both sides. I think I had to like go to somewhere else to try to draw a better conclusion for myself because it didn't quite land where either one of you guys landed. Um, <clears throat> I think I've I've heard T.O. question another black man's blackness on television before. So I think I'm gonna start there, right? Um, he was on the, the uh, first take and he questioned Stephen A. In fact, they were kind of, you know, going back and forth currently, right? At least in the public space. And one of the things that T.O. did was question Stephen A. Smith's blackness because I think they disagreed about the Colin Kaepernick situation, right? So the reason why I want to start there is because I think if you are going to be in a position to question another person's blackness, then are you now open to people questioning your blackness or how do you interpret blackness or how do you move in blackness? You get what I'm saying? Because I think it becomes open season and dating, for example, is one of those ways that people can point at and say, well, damn, if you're so, you know, so pro-black, then why are you moving like this over here? Right. What I'm saying is you reap what you sow. Right. If you are going to put out certain energy or whatever. Right. It's one thing if you're just moving through the world normal and you're not pronouncing anything or whatever. Cool. You're just a man having life experiences and talking about your preferences. But once you go on somebody's television and question another person's blackness, then people can question your blackness. And you then talk about your experiences with black women. And then it becomes fair game for black women to question whether or not you view things a certain type of way. Why aren't you dating us? You know what I'm saying? Do you have a problem with your mama and them? You know what I'm saying? Mr. Strong black man out here, right? So it becomes open season, bro. So I'm sorry. Like that's how I just draw the conclusion. I think it's fair to question whether or not there is self-hatred there to a certain extent, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? And I guess I am also, if I'm going to be 100% honest with y'all, biased because I am a black man who um, fancies himself of being pro-black enough, you know? I, have, I love a black woman, you know what I'm saying? I'm proud of my black family, you know what I'm saying? We're we're doing a podcast to hopefully, you know, just push the conversation in such a way that other people can be happily coming together and bonding, et cetera, et cetera. So I know what that feels like, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and, and, and even for me, it would have to be an extreme for me to question another man's blackness, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, especially if I got some shit that people can shoot back at me with, you know what I'm saying? The audacity of him, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's why I don't care, man. You feel me? You know, point the finger, 
disappointed at whatever it is, man, but you reap what you sow, bro. And I just think sometimes people have to accept accountability for how they move. Stop blaming everybody else because there's also a pattern of that. If we're going to keep it 100, it wasn't his fault. It was the Cowboys' fault. It wasn't his fault. It was this team's fault. You had people who defended this nigga throughout the eternity of time. And even those niggas that defended him ended up getting his ass to kiss when they disagreed about a point. You know what I'm saying? So some niggas just can't even be held accountable for how they move. And I don't think that whether it's in relationships, in business, or in the media, if you can't hold yourself accountable to do better and be better, then my nigga, you're not going to get no sympathy over the fuck here. But we could keep it moving to the next topic, Jay, if you want to. <laughs> All right. So speaking of accountability and bad decisions, uh, I want to talk about sexy or let's say not so sexy red right uh who has had a string of poor decisions that she made in the, in the previous week um the first one she made i think we got a clip of it uh which is the only clip i really want to see of her i guess uh not, not that clip right we're not talking about <laughs> right right, <laughs> right so so, we, so there, there's two clips out there of sexy red right now there's a lot of them but two of them are going viral right yeah one is a sex tape which i you know i gotta say it was like so all right. Anyway, um, and the other one. Let's stop there. Let's stop there. Let's play the other one. Yeah, let's play the other one. No, no. Let's 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 talk about the sex tape for uh, a this second, one? right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's talk. Uh, about, we don't have to so, play the sex tape, but we should at least real quick uh, talk about our thoughts about the fact that she did the sex tape. <laughs> all right. So she was catching heat, right? From from this the thing we're going to talk about secondarily, and then all of a sudden this text tape sex tape comes out, and she says she did not leak it. People thought mm. she did leak it so she could distract from these comments that she made, which aren't oh, really wow. in line with the with the vibe of black people, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I had the misfortune of seeing said <laughs> sex tape. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I think Kim Kardashian made a better one. I mean, this was this was not good. Um, so uh, in the tape, did anybody? Did you guys see it? Have you seen it? I, 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 I will not admit or no. not admit. <laughs> not admit. All right. So I don't know. I, 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 I didn't see the tape. No, I'm I'm describe it. It. no comment. No comment. I'm going to describe it. She got on a pink hair bonnet. I don't think we have to describe it, though, Jay. I don't, don't think we have to describe, describe it. She's in no. that hair bonnet, man. And she's like lame ducking the whole thing. You got you to know that. That's, no. If you're going to do a sex tape, people, okay. If you're gonna do a sex tape, then make yourself presentable, okay? Mm. And if you don't want to be presentable for sex, then don't record it. Mm. That's all I'm mm. saying. Mm. And you make mm. a sex tape in your bonnet. Come on, lady. It, mm. You should be ashamed. You Good should Jay, be ashamed. Come on. Come on all right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. What I was gonna say real quick, right? It was because I think you're missing it, my brother. First of all, she was not the one who wanted that done. Whoever the person was taping or whoever the guy was, that was for him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Fair and enough. He, and he did not care whether or not she had a bonnet on or nothing. And if you're that guy, right, and let's say you think she's attractive and you know she's sexy red, right? She is sexy red, right? And you're having a gang of a good time, then you're going to tape it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I saw the video. That, that, there was I no mean, gang of a good time. I'm saying... <laughs> You got to think about the POV. It is no better place than a sex tape to think about the POV. This was not a situation where she was like starring and producing and directing. She was barely performing. Okay. It, it should have been a dress rehearsal. Not, she was not being Guys. Oh being directed. Where's the best grip boy? You know, there was, you know, the lighting was bad. Not that but I no. saw it before what I heard. Heard. These are the details that I thought about, right? So, 
Um, I mean, but listen, I don't know. She said she didn't do that goofy shit. Um, I want to believe people. I don't know why she'd want to do that. I do get the idea of it, like taking attention away from something. But you know, I, I just—it's a difficult thing when I when I think we talk about uh, these types of things where you're in intimate relationships where people are sharing these types of videos amongst each other. And how does it then get out? How do you have to be very careful about doing these type of things? You know what I'm saying? So I do think that this situation lends to that type of conversation because young people start very early and up are sharing these type of things about mm -hmm. themselves. So we just got to be careful, man. I get it because I'm, I might've made a movie or two, but man, you got to be very, very careful. And at the end of the day, um, think about the other person too, in terms of how you handle that type of sensitive material. But uh, go ahead, Casino. Uh, so I only have two comments on it. The first comment was, ew, I didn't need the extra description. And uh, <laughs> the second comment is privacy. I think this was an impromptu moment that the guy was like, oh, this would be a great opportunity. Maybe I'll have it for historical references later on. And <laughs> Bonnie no Bonnie, Jay. We it, don't was care, bro. Too. it was we impromptu. Don't care. So yeah. my only concern is, is this something that was done with her permission, without her permission or whatever the case? And if, if it was done without her permission, as she so states, then will she be suing the individual? Will there be a privacy litigation occurring um, shortly, you know, will, will there be a civil suit? I don't know. I don't even care because you once again, and mm. I am there. <laughs> I have to say, I thought she was unattractive before I watched it. And now I'm convinced. Okay, go ahead. All right, then. I mean, so, hey, listen, not so sexy red. Oh, but the second part, though. So I'm going to play the clip finally because we're okay. still on sexy red. And this is also what sexy red said. Oh, that rhymes. All right, now. Yeah, they support him in the hood. Because at first, I don't think <laughs> people was with him like they thought he was racist, saying little and, you know, against women. But once he started getting black people out of jail and giving people their free money, oh, baby, we love Trump. We need him back in office. Yo, over that beat, I'd vote for Trump too, yo. <laughs> they have me knocking. But go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so I want to jump on this one clip. first. <laughs> go ahead. That's, I want to jump on this like, Go. Yes. I was <laughs> like, no, no. Go, SNL. <laughs> go. We will not entertain that. I think, yeah, I was like, no. Uh, so I think my biggest concern is that there's a lot of fallacy spoken within that statement. She was like, oh, mm. he, he, ex, he got black people out of jail when actually, like, for example, I believe Lil Wayne was already. <laughs> exonerated or out of jail. I won't say exonerated, um, but was already out of jail. So it wasn't somebody he got out of jail. This person was already out of jail. And um, and then also with the PPP, I'm still trying to figure out what free money, if they was talking about the $1,200 stimulus checks, or if it was the PPP loans that ended up having so many people, more than 800 folks looked at for conspiracy, fraud, and so forth. And so at the end of the day, I am tired of people who have, uh, hmm, I don't want to sound elitist, but low intellectual girl, sound, sound elitist, girl. You <laughs> lean into your elitist bag. Let's look at our noses at them. <laughs> but I'm tired of people who actually don't have any any um, knowledge, any background pertaining to a particular topic being an influencer in that particular area. There is no reason why people should be asking her opinion pertaining to Trump other than to try to steer a narrative. And I'm all for like, hey, she has her, she has a right to her opinion, but her opinion is baseless. It's not rooted in any facts. 
you know, she's taking something that she may have heard at one point or because something occurred during his administration and saying, oh, he gave us money. Well, technically, so did Biden. But you don't hear people running around saying, oh, Biden gave us stimulus checks, too. Black folks love him because Biden gave us stimulus checks. And then the last thing, I'm so tired of us looking so damn basic. Like she came mm. off sounding basic, looking basic, and got everybody thinking and reinforcing every single stereotype about black folks and their simplicity. She's a simple bitch, to put it simple. Mm. Oh, mm. shit. Mm. Tell us uh, how you can I, can I follow that smoke? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you I feel really bad because I'm just like, I normally don't like to be like this, but like. You brought it out of you, huh? All right, on, shit. Nick, you want to go? Because no, I... no, you have anything else? SNM. I just want to make sure SNM is, is good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> I know? thought she, I thought she dropped the mic on simple bitch. I thought, yeah, <laughs> I, I thought so too. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I almost well don't even want to touch the topic. No, <laughs> I feel like how do I follow that up? <laughs> it's, uh, it's very tough. Uh, good. You want to say something audible before? Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I got topic? feelings about it. So my, right, so my feelings. Yeah, I'll let you go. There. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'll try to be very brief. All right. So here's my thing with this. Right. First off, like like SNM said, a lot of information she gave was bad information, right? He freed a couple of black people that black people know, right? But as far as like historically, he set the least number of people uh, pardoned or whatever or commuted their sentences for like the last fifty years. Nineteen forty-five. Yeah. So like he wasn't doing us any favors. He just tired out people that we would recognize and go, "Oh, look what he's doing for us." And one of those was like Kim Kardashian doing most of the heavy lifting kind of anyway. That's one thing. Second thing is, listen, as an economics major, right, there's no such thing as free money. Those PPP loans and the stimulus checks, there's no such thing as free money. When the government gives you money, they're going to tax you to get the money back from somewhere else. So there was no free money. That's the other thing. And the last thing is I am hearing people, my own people, my melanated people, being like, oh, man, I wish Trump was still in the office. Man, I miss Trump. And some people do foolishly say things about the money because they don't understand. I try to educate them. And then some people say it because they missed the circus. They missed the entertaining, the buffoonery that was the presidential uh, office. You know what I mean? His press conferences were ridiculous. He told people to swallow a green light and inject themselves with, with, with Clorox or whatever to kill COVID or whatever. I mean, it, so it was an entertaining factor. But I will say this. There's nothing funny about having an idiot or a racist or a racist idiot in the White House. Ain't nothing funny because what they do while they're in there affects all of us. And then we won't be laughing. So let him clown from somewhere else. Let him do a pod from jail, from prison or something. Please, people, let's let this clown stay out of the out of office and out of power. Because once he gets in, he's shown you he doesn't want to leave. He will incite an insurrection to stay in office. What do you think you're gonna do? He's gonna do when you put him back in office. Stop the clowning, stop the cap. Don't play with tr Trump because it's a trap. All right, there. And that was a wrap. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, I feel like I gotta say something now, you know what I'm saying? And so I don't know, man. I'm apathetic. I'm gonna be honest with you. I've I've kind of become apathetic. Um just because you know it's just too much on my heart you know to sit there and just be so caught up in what other people are doing or not doing it's hard man it's hard so i mean but but the whole like i mean what sexy red did was nothing new i mean to your point snm people hear stuff all the time i mean what are we going to really do about it though i mean that's that's where I'm, I've, I've gotten to the point where my hands are up at this point that's why i even really want to say anything i think you know snm really broke it down and jay you added eloquently to it as well 
but it's like fighting a beef that don't even make sense. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, because what's what's the what's the expected outcome? Speaking of like, for example, beefs that don't make sense, right? So Drake just dropped his album, right? I think about a couple of days ago. And so there was some feedback back and forth on the internet, but then Joe Budden did his podcast and he has some criticisms, you know, for what uh, he thought about the album. Apparently Drake heard those criticisms, went to his Instagram page, and I guess like really read Joe Budden in terms of how he was a failure um, and he was giving feedback on somebody or on something that he's never done, et cetera, et cetera. And then I think Joe kind of politely responded back, like, you know, it's nothing really crazy or whatever, just to kind of seem to play it off. But this is not the first time that Drake and Joe has gotten into it. Uh, several years ago, Joe wrote like several different songs shooting at the kid when he was active in rap. Um, I don't think Drake really responded, maybe with like a couple of lines here and there, um, but nothing really serious. I mean, he was Drake for God's sakes. Eventually, Joe Budden decided to retire and get into podcasting where he's kind of done his thing. But one of the things that he said that Drake said in his IG was like, I own a 767 and you have a nice little resonance in the 973. <laughs> you know, I was like, that's that's what I meant. I mean, I didn't want to play all that because we got a lot to talk about anyway. But what do you what do you think about uh, this whole thing, right? Is this a beef that we needed that we didn't know we needed? <laughs> Anyone? I mean, if SNM was talking, then I mean SNM was talking about a mute song. SNM mute song. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. So uh, I was going to say, I'll keep it short and simple. <laughs> I have no real comment. I thought it was entertaining to read the comments and um, and the weigh-in um, between <laughs> Joe and Drake. It was very entertaining. And so at the end of the day, apparently it seems like even back in the day, Drake didn't think Joe was big enough to go back and forth in some extreme beef type situation. And so he rarely responded. And so I find the folks that who's rallying behind Drake providing the comments and just make it extra special. It's like some extra special sauce that's going on in the situation. And I find that even more entertaining because now not only is this person decided that you're not big enough to comment, I'm going to drop a comment, but now I'm going to let my peeps get at you. It was like junior mafia all over again. I don't know. I got, I, I peeped the whole thing and I'm like, hit dogs holler. Right. You know what I mean? If you, if he's really not on your level, then why are you even responding? If what he says has no weight or value in how you're moving, if he's really insignificant, then you would ignore it, right? The, I'm told that this is one of the longest posts that Drake has done in a long time. Usually he keeps them kind of short and brief, and he kind of went into a whole paragraph on this one. I think he was clearly in his feelings, right? I don't know that his album is getting the kind of reception that he wanted, right? And I think that may be feeding into it. Uh, I think that Anytime you're in the public eye, you're going to face criticism, particularly if you're in the rap industry, you're going to face criticism from other rappers, right? Uh, Andre 3000 is one of the best rappers I, I know, right? But people have still talked about his verses. And I don't even know how you can criticize, you know what I'm saying? Three stacks. He's three stacks. But everybody got their feelings, and you got to kind of let them have their opinions, right? I think Drake, Drake should have just stayed above it in his 767 and not even worried about it. I think he lowered himself down to even make it an argument. I think it's time to just kind of get back on his game and keep doing what he's doing. Um, I think it's it's a beef that serves Joe Budden more than it serves Drake. So if I was him, I'd just, you know what I'm saying, keep riding. Nick, you got any thoughts on it? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, once again, Jay don't leave much on the road. Oh, shoot, my bad. First, sometimes again. You gotta go first. You gotta go first, man. Yeah, no, I'm messing with you, man. Um, no, but I think so. The first thing I thought about was first, I thought about how I felt about the album. I'll be honest, let me start from there because when I first, I was actually looking forward to the album, you know what I'm saying? Um, Drake has given us like lots of hits and you know, the last album he did with the whole, like whatever he was doing, I didn't really feel that one. So I was thinking, okay, but he's got to come back to, you know, a little bit of what we've been having and and, and maybe even a little bit more rap. And so when I got the album, I'll be honest, I, I felt a certain type of way. I was underwhelmed, you know what I'm saying? There was a lot of skips for me, right? So I was like, ooh, let me see what other people thought. And so I heard the feedback and I thought there was dead on. And listening to Joe's feedback, he gave it praise, but he also gave it criticisms. Um, but I think Jay, you was spot on in the sense that hit dogs do holler, right? It, this album was called For All My Dogs and this particular dog seemed to be a hit one. And, you know, for him to, you know, give J Joe that much attention, I thought to myself, if I was Joe, I'd be like, oh, nigga, thank you. Like, you know, to me, I wouldn't even be mad. It'd be like a gift because now, People are waiting to hear what I have to say about the situation. So really, you're giving. It's almost like what super what Taylor Swift is doing for the NFL. Drake kind of just low key just did for Joe. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me give your product a little bit more attention. So now more eyes are on it, and it just raises your value. So I even wouldn't be mad necessarily. You know what I'm saying? But I thought his criticisms were spot on. But listen, man, Drake's Drake, and he's absolutely right. The other thing I thought about in terms of when I say he's right he's been able to maintain a certain level of success. So it is very hard to tell somebody like him or for that person to feel like somebody who hasn't done it to give me feedback in a certain type of way. So I do appreciate that too, right? But I think Joe would be the first person to acknowledge that point. But I think still as a fan though, as some of your core people who have supported you, they do have the right to say, hey man, we kind of miss a certain element of your music. We get that you're multitasking, but you just gave us this other shit over here. So we were just hoping for a little bit something, a little bit more. And Jay, the other thing I, other thing I thought about that maybe hit home was that J. Cole did smoke his boots on his own song. Like the song structure was interesting because J. Cole has been killing for a long, like whatever features J. Cole has been on recently, he has been absolutely killing from Yachty to Dirk. So then when he comes on your song, right? And I mean, he kills, you know, like just effort. And then Drake gives you what he gives you. It's like, fam, here was a chance to show both y'all being at your height and one guy showed up to play and one guy did not. It's almost like the game where Scottie Pippen got the migraine. Apparently it felt like Drake. So I can get how he took umbrage with that too. You know what I'm saying? It took it personally, but I agree, man. Good looking for Joe. You know what I'm saying? I know he's gonna continue to do his thing, but, um, and I'm actually glad he's taking a break because he's been putting a lot of music and maybe he needs some time to step back a little bit, get that hunger, get them juices flowing a little bit. So maybe we'll look forward to his next album. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. But what else are we talking yeah. about, man? Well, speaking of, of next albums, right? Tupac's got a banger out. Yes. Apparently. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know who his, who his production is. Maybe it's Jesus. I don't really understand how he... <laughs> <laughs> He's able to produce this. Hail Mary. <laughs> Hail Mary. <laughs> that Machiavelli thing went deeper than I thought. Um, so 20 some odd years later, Tupac is 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 reported to have a diss track on, and it's it's available on most social media streams, right? And he's dissing Puffy and Keefy D by name. It's called like take him out or something like that, right? It's like, like on the hit him up beat. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Take I'm the fuck can you snitch on yourself? You're done, nigga. 
mumbling ass motherfuckers. We gon' get you. Best believe we gon' get you. Can you feel your time running out, nigga? I can hear you breathing, believing that they won't notice what's been coming out your mouth from a worldwide mob figure. So I got thugs in every prison ready to pull a shank on your slug, niggas. Don't get a diss or keep, you're just a bitch to me. Snitching on yourself while I'm here making history. If it ain't cancer, then my niggas gon' get you. Slack you off your fat fuck, you be feeling the rapture. Take it down. Whoa. That's fire. Oh, Fire. sorry. I was doing my best Crip Walk impersonation. Impersonation. I am not involved or affiliated with any gangs except for those that might be fraternal in that order. You dig what I'm saying? But go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. Go ahead. How do you get that disclaimer? I'm going to start no, dropping good. disclaimers. Okay. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Uh, Nick, I, I'm going to start with s and and I'm, I'm going to say a little bit, and I want you to end, because you are like the the one of the biggest Tupac fans that I have, have come across in my lifetime. Okay. Right? I was okay. actually with you when we found Tupac died and, and I know you took it real hard. You know what I mean? So, so I, we'll get that last. Esna, what are your thoughts? So my question is, is Tupac back? We all know he's not, but does this AI do a good job of substituting for Tupac? Right. And should he, um, as in, should we allow AI to take this on? So for me, while I did enjoy it and I'm a big fan of Tupac as well, I'm a little concerned that AI was able to drop this track. <laughs> and so does his estate benefit from this? And if so, I, I don't know. I just need more information to be perfectly honest, but I do like the sound. I do. I don't like the, t um, take them down part. I thought that was a little whack, but the rest of it was nice. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel you on that. Uh, the take him down was meh as, as a hook or whatever, but you know, I mean, when the guy's been dead for 20 years, I don't expect him to be very creative. Um, he <laughs> <laughs> lost a limited sauce, huh, Jay? Like, right. oh, he got limited resources, the whole spirit so, thing, that he recorded, the whole soul know, thing, damn it, the whole soul thing is kind of holding the back. Um, so but uh, I thought the track was all right. I thought I heard someone say that there might actually be an album that will come out, you know, that the track is coming from, which I'm really interested to hear how that works out. Esten, you got some great questions about whether or not his family will get any of the benefit of this music being produced un under his name with his image and with the voice or the likeness that is voice that is similar to his own. Um, I think if you if you're a Tupac fan and you miss Tupac, I think this is like this is like a breath of fresh air. It's like a shot in the arm. You know, it's kind of like, oh, and it's much better than like an Elvis impersonator. Um, so uh, I do am concerned about the the, the long term consequences and repercussions of us using AI in this way to reproduce a person's voice and to have them say words they may never have said. I think we should all take a pause there and wonder, like, how how much now can we begin to rely upon what we hear and see in the news if a person's likeness and their voice uh and and even their rate of speech can be mimicked in such a, such a way to produce a track that even the fans would be like oh that sounds familiar right and i will have a hard time distinguishing from the real i think it's going to be really really hard now as we're going in after this trump era of alternate facts right to really get to the source of what is real and what's not real in the media that we're consuming so i think that's a sobering note of it but i love i like the track if there's an album i want to hear it um and, you know I hope that if, if if should I die an untimely death, I hope that I will be able to come back and drop tracks on everybody who has something to do with it uh, at some point in time. That's like life goals. Yeah, I think you guys bring up some excellent points from like the legality of it, the concern, 
um, the usage, the use case, you know, for sure. And I think as technology evolves, unfortunately, I don't think the laws are constantly evolving as quickly. Um, so there's a lot of things when you talk about social media and, and just in the, the public space that the laws probably haven't caught up with. This may be another one. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. I think uh, for me, I didn't really, I mean, I knew, first I was about the joke that I didn't know it was a fake Tupac, but then I was like, yeah, it was a fake Tupac one, right? And so it was, I don't know, I didn't, I, I didn't really hate it. I didn't really like it. I thought it was novel. I got what it was. I think the thing that you can't really recreate in artistry is growth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would have loved to have heard like a Tupac today in terms of how he grew musically and, and how he might have evolved beyond his death. So I think to like recreate old stuff that you think sounds similar, like what makes the old stuff work was the nostalgia that it hit us back then when it was what it was. Like even now, listening to that, it was just like Tupac for real. But then I was like, eh, the, the lyrics, it didn't really touch me. You know what I'm saying? They literally were like, trying to take that same essence and recreate it. I think they really did a good job, but ultimately though, it still is not gonna hit me because I didn't experience that song. You know what I'm saying? The things that resonate with us are those memories that we associate with music and where we were at that time in the era. Um, I do think that if you can sell the idea of, hey, we have some stuff in the vault and then you use this to maybe patch some places, maybe create some hooks, it would have to be official. I think coming from like the estate, you'd have to maybe do something like that or, if the artists themselves want to use that tool to help replicate under their, um, you know, like while they're still here or whatever, I think that can serve a purpose for people who want to do that. So there's a lot of great use cases. But as a Tupac fan, though, I just don't think that, I mean, I get the nostalgia, but I don't think you really you can really recreate that at the end of the day, especially not somebody like Tupac. You know what I'm saying? So I get the effort. But for me, eh, it was kind of mid. You know what I'm saying? I'm cool on that. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> I got uh, you. Got you. But uh, cool on that. I know SNM was about to talk about the people at Waffle House being cool on things. What's good with that? You know, they're they're cool on. Like. Well, actually, I was like thinking it was mid and so forth, and um, and just the whole connection with AI and how folks like the writers are on strike for because of AI and so forth. But so Waffle House strikes, right? And, oh, that was a uh, horrible segue. <laughs> I know. Oh but so what happened was I thought we was going to talk about, about AI. <laughs> it's no, like no, one of those look. turns where you gotta hold on to the top buckle. <laughs> so look, so we talked about so when we were talking about AI. I actually wanted to go back and talk about, but you already transitioned to the Waffle House. But I wanted to talk about how um the AI is currently being sued, right? By the Office Guild, by a bunch of different writers coalition because of what just happened. Well, not just because of what happened with Tupac, but that's an, an example of that. And so I wonder if we'll eventually have a strike in that area and then transition to the Waffle House strike. But you yeah, I went straight to Waffle House. And I was like, oh, I didn't oh, get my, my point about, oh. about AI. Oh, that was much better. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, that was good. Was that, was good. Like, that was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking okay. of people who shouldn't be striking. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so anyway, speaking of the Waffle House strike now, um, did you guys know, before I go into some of the details, but did you guys know that the uh, FEMA has this, um, this thing called the Waffle House Index, which mm. is basically how they determine the how severe a storm is based on, or how severe a hurricane is based on if the Waffle House closes. Did you guys know that? I did not yes. know that. Yes. Okay. Wow. 
Yeah, that's crazy, right? Yeah. And so they have a system where it's red, yellow, and green. And if it's green, that means all it's all good. It's not a disaster, apparently, or somewhere along those lines. I'm not going to minimize the FEMA system, but it's an um, informal thing. So with that being said, Waffle wow. House is on strike because for several reasons. They're asking for workplace safety. They feel unsafe, as evident by the numerous Waffle House fights and the occasional gun shootings that take place in the Waffle House. They're concerned about not only their safety, but they're asking for 24-hour security. They're like, we have um, the Waffle House is open 24 hours a day, so we should have security 24 hours a day because um, we don't necessarily have the best of the population coming in for the Waffle House. I know, right? The shade on that part. But still, wow. because I love Waffle House waffles, right? I don't like anything else there, but I do like their waffles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. so, and maybe a little hash browns a little bit. We'll see. But definitely the waffle. And so anyway, <laughs> the other thing that they're looking at was apparently they don't get hazardous pay. So if there's a national disaster and the Waffle Houses are open, they don't actually get hazardous pay. They're expected to come in regardless of a natural disasters. There's no, there's not a system in place for a natural disaster. So there's no evacuation plan for them or anything. Their expectation is to show up for work. And then the last thing is their pay. So it turns out some Waffle Houses, they're still only getting $2.35 an hour. Um, majority of the Waffle Houses are still getting minimum wage of $7.25. And they're asking for a pay increase, taking into consideration that the Waffle House charges them mandatory meal deductions, even though they're not supposedly, allegedly allowed to take breaks. And so they're like, even if we don't take a break, we still have these meal, mandatory meal reductions, um, deductions taken from our our paycheck and it says like $30 and considering that some are only making $2.35 they're like this is just too much so that pretty much sums it up what are you guys thoughts on this no go ahead Jay no, go ahead Jay all right man uh I'm gonna be the bad guy so uh first let me say I I I, I applaud any group's efforts to try to make the work conditions better okay with that and I'm not trying to lose nobody over this Waffle House thing but I gotta keep it a bean Okay, look here, man. With the security guard, yes, y'all need it because the Waffle House, it'd be, it be just ridiculous up in there. We get so many World Star videos were shot in Waffle House. Waffle House should get like some money from that. Um, um, so I get that. I, I get the hazard pay in an extent because the reason the Waffle House index works is because Waffle House workers going to show up to work, right? If, the, if it's Hurricane Katrina or Irene or whatever, right? Because Nobody's giving them the time off. So if they're able to get to work and the Waffle House is open, then the government goes, oh, shoot, I guess it's not that bad. The Waffle House index probably wouldn't even work if they allowed them not to come in when there was a dangerous storm or something. That's the idea, right? So, all right. And and I understand that that we are currently in very tight economic system, right? Some would say depression. Some would say recession. I get all that. And I get that, 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 that a living wage needs to rise. Okay. All that I understand. But $25 an hour? What? Man, teachers don't even hardly start at $25 an hour. And it shade, call it what you want to, but lots of people are working at Waffle House because they didn't really do what they're supposed to do in school. So you get, let me get this right. You're going to make more money than the person who was trying to teach you something where you could have made more money. That don't make no sense, man. $25 an hour? What are you, an attorney? Listen, the whole structure of an economy is that we pay more for jobs that have specialized skills. The harder it is to find somebody to do what you can do, the more we're going to pay you, 
right? Now, I'm the first to admit, everybody can't work a Waffle House grill. I go to Waffle House, and if the Waffle House cook is not like a heavyset black guy or a white guy with tattoos, I don't want it. It ain't going to be right. <laughs> but be it as it may, you can train somebody else to do that, right? Without having to do any really extensive training. Waffle House does not take high-tech training in order to perform there at that job. If you want high pay, you need to have high skills that are in high demand. We can we can pull in most high school workers and have them work at a Waffle House. So I'm sorry, you do not deserve your what you're doing is not deserving of $25 an hour, right? And if you're one of those Waffle House people who are like, man, I love Waffle House, pay them people that money. Please understand that what you are actually saying is, I love Waffle House so much, I'm willing to pay another 30% on top of what I've been paying. Because the only thing that's going to change is the prices, right? The people at the top aren't going to take less money. The shareholders aren't going to take less money, right? Management is not going to take less money. So the extra money that they're getting paid is coming from you, the consumer. Right. So if you think that your all-star breakfast or whatever is worth an extra five or six dollars on top of what you've been paying, then you keep pushing for that. Right. Keep pushing for that. But if you don't think that, then maybe you should push toward having people value education better as a means of choosing their career, rather having their rather than having their career and their earnings potential chosen for them. I land there. <laughs> this must be the elitism podcast today. It's truth with an elf. It's the elitism for me. It's the elitism for me. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know what to say. Um, oh, because once again, Jay just does what Jay does, right? I'm so <laughs> sorry. I told you, leave me last, man. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm teasing you, man. I love it actually. So no, okay. So mm, this is kind of a tough one because I got to push back, Jay. Right? I think. The, the markets are supposed to push back. It's a it's a it's an adversarial situation, right? So these workers can leverage their presence and what they provide to an establishment in order to wrangle out of them better terms for employment. We've seen that across the board. Um, we just like you mentioned, I think somebody mentioned the the, uh, the strike that was happening earlier. They came to conclusion um, at a height or a point where uh, employer group or employee group feels like they can have the most leverage to be able to get what they need to, then I think, yes, they should absolutely do that. So I support them for doing that 1000%. In fact, I'd even go a step further and say that not enough industries have. You know, I think the other side has done a really great job of systematically kind of breaking down what we remember or what we know as unions maybe in more areas of the economy. Now it's kind of like a really fend for yourself. And then you also already have these states that are pretty much like, you know, work at your own mercy type of shit. Like we can just let you go and there's no biggie, you know, no foul. As long as like it's not for certain reasons, right? So at will, I believe, is what I was looking mm -hmm. for. So um no, it is what it is, I think, in that regard. You know what I mean? So I just think that uh, people have to be accountable for their choices um, and recognize their situations. To your point, they can improve. But at the end of the day, uh, I do think that people should push back. But you're absolutely right in the sense that um, the economy is what it is, man. And people can pigeonhole themselves in certain places that it's on them. And, the, and here's the dirty little secret. This is what I really want to say. The dirty little secret is... As much as consumers say and talk all that rah-rah shit about supporting the Walmart workers or the wall, you know, the 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 Waffle House workers or whatever, they don't. 
they're not going to want to pay extra. They'll bitch and moan and complain about it. You know what I mean? People tip as much as they need to tip. They don't tip that much over. Like you ask your people, we bitch and moan. And then on top of that, if you've been to Waffle House lately, they charge like $3 for some like plastic napkins and shit. You know what I'm saying? Plastic spoon and napkins already. There's already surcharges. You know what I'm saying? Wow. When you order to go from there. Now, whether or not Waffle House is giving those people that money, but like right now, bro, yeah. a breakfast for two would probably cost you about $27. This mm -hmm. is for a Waffle House. So the prices have already, so if they're not doing that, I get why the workers would say, all right, now we need to go ahead and step in here and make it do what it do. You know what I mean? Because they're seeing that y'all are out here charging $5 for some napkins and some plastic silverware. Why are y'all playing in my face and telling me you ain't got no extra money? <laughs> we ain't got no money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so just want to note, they made $1 billion last year. Annual revenue, $1 billion. I and mean, they're still paying their workers us. $2.35, $2.35. $2 but that might include them. tips, though. Like, that might include tips and stuff like that, yo. We got to be for real. Like, yeah, I mean, Tucson, they, they're not, it's not just Tucson. They probably getting some tips, right? And tips. those people don't have to be, like, unless... I, I was thinking, is there a jail program? Like, if you don't like it, then why would you still be there? That's is there a good question. type of funnel that, like, you know, you follow that only... Because, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. I mean, I think it is what it is. Like, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world economy out here, and each person has to be accountable. Now, I think there should be some level of leveling, but at the end of the day, like, it's still going to take that person to level up, you know what I'm saying, in order to get to their position, and we can't expect everybody else to pay for that. You know what I'm saying? But go ahead, man. So, I'm no. just curious. I'm just curious. So, um... So minimum wage is still $7.25, right? And I don't want to spend too much time on this because I recognize this could be a topic within itself. But minimum wage has been $7.25 for the past like 15, um, 17, 18 years or so, so forth. But we saw how everything else has continued to increase. But for whatever reason, I think that this has been a trick, to be honest, to tell us that, no, you just need to choose better, do better, without actually acknowledging that if they increase minimum wage for the minimum worker, right, for the minimum skill set or no skill set, then that by default, all other wages should increase as well. And but if so, that's why there's so many people who fight so hard not to increase minimum um, minimum wage because they recognize by default all wages should increase across the board if you increase minimum wage. And so there's this whole conversation. And I agree that, yes, the choices that they made land them in those in that position. And, yes, they could have walked away to a different job if that town has different jobs for them and whatnot. But I also think there's a conversation that needs to be had that, yes, there needs to be an increase in minimum wage. There needs to be an increase across the board in wages for everybody at the end of the day, um, because every these for especially for the service industry. And so while I acknowledge and agree that their choices landed them there, I do think that $25 is outrageous, <laughs> but they should have some type of negotiation power to increase their minimum wage. So finance. I, I just want to pick it back on that a little bit and say, listen, I agree that people aren't earning a wage that is livable wage right now on a lot of fronts, not just the Waffle House people. And that's not great, right? It's a lot of industries. My thing is, though, rather than striking to raise the minimum wage, why not strike for a more equitable structure in your company in terms of, 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 of uh, profit distribution, right? In other words, instead of going, we want more for our minimum wage, let's say we want a better, a larger piece of the overall pie. 
what needs to happen in, in this country, I think, isn't so much let's raise the minimum wage because a rising tide raises all boats. If you raise the minimum wage, you raise the price of the good, right? You and so and and the other wages that are above that want to go up because nobody wants to be, you know, oh, I'm making what they make at Waffle House. I need more, right? Uh, so I think that we really need to think about the re how we structure compensation in our country, how it is so top heavy in every industry, education, tech, uh, healthcare, and hospitality. They're all very top heavy. Our executives make more money than our employees by and right by and large. And it's because our structure is so top heavy. There's is that Reaganomics, that trickle down economics thing. Like, let's pay all the people up top all the money and they'll pay it back down. That doesn't work. And so that's what we should be focusing our attention. That's what we should be focusing our collective bargaining and our collective, uh, uh, um, what's the word, uh, powers. I can't think of the word for, for boycotts or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the boycott. That's what we should be. And, and I think this this argument over minimum wage is is addressing the fruit of the tree and not the root cause. Let's see my piece in the Nahash. Okay. Um, I mean, no, it's actually kind of quite perfect that we're having this conversation about finances, right? Because I think, you know, it kind of bleeds into our main topic. But I will say, though, from like a macro level, though, um, this the system is working the way it's supposed to work. You know what I'm saying? So unless y'all have a plan to devise of overtopping the system that we're in, good luck with that. It's designed for people at the bottom to get less and for you to aspire towards the top. It's called capitalism. Capitalism doesn't have any feelings. You know what I'm saying? Fuck your feelings when it comes to capitalism. Fuck your idea of fairness. You know what I'm saying? That's how do you how do you monetize fairness? What does monetizing fairness look like? They make a decent argument now that you know inclusivity and all that and how it can affect your bottom line by having diversity of thought, they still have to try to make an argument on how that concept affects the bottom line. But in truth, it's really hard to uh, monetize fairness. You know what I'm saying? What it can monetize is the exchange of what people are willing to accept and what people are willing to give. You know what I'm saying? I think they did a great job, and I'm going to say it again. Once you stop unionizing or having a group of people that can come together and be lockstep, right? To what you're talking about, Jay, when they had those strong unions, there were people who were incentivized, who had ownership and pensions that were tied into companies. There were more equitable um, economic situations set up in a capitalistic society. And somewhere along the way, the, 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 the machine took over, you know what I'm saying? Much like the matrix, right? The machine takes over because people are kind of born of and you know believe in the in the system. So it is what it is, man, but it's funny though how that affects everything, right? Including relationships, right? I'm going to play this clip cuz we were talking about it in pre-production, right? So we we talked about finance at a macro level. Let's talk about it from a romantic level, from a relationship level in terms of how do we think people are being influenced by finances, right? So this is going to talk about where we are kind of in the last few years and then hopefully we'll go back a little bit from there, all right? Here we go. Freddie, great to have you on. Um, so how bad is it out there for young people, first home buyers, let's say com from today, comparing it to, let's say, November 2019? Then we can go back even further. Yeah, I mean, that's the perfect time to start because in 2019, the average home in America was $260,000 and the interest rates were 4%. 
So your monthly payment out the door with taxes and insurances was around 1700. So you could make about 60,000 a year and qualify for a home back in 2019. That same home today is going for $436,000, but the interest rates are seven and a half percent. So that monthly payment is jumping to 3,700. So you need to make today yourself or you and a spouse $115,000 in a salary with zero debt to have a shot at affording the average home in America today. And if you have debt, cars, credit cards, it's even more like $140,000, $150,000. So it's priced out a lot of Americans just over the past four years. Yeah, man. So listen, we, we talked about this before, but I remember some of the conversations that we hear oftentimes on Clubhouse, you know, about men needing to be providers and i often think about like you know how much money that would take we would hear those conversations about the average salary right that people are out here making so it seemed that like people were mostly speaking about this imaginary top three or four percent of black people that existed almost for everybody and so you know not taking into account that there's a lot of people so when i saw this clip it got me to thinking like you know should finances kind of uh, dictate how we move romantically and in relationships in 2023, right? We talk about inflation, right? And and we're seeing the numbers like right there, right? If you're somebody who wants a home or a family, you're seeing how cost has risen so quickly, especially because of inflation, right? Um, and the people you're more likely to meet. So I think this has a lot of implications, right? Finances and romance and so forth. Um, so what do you guys just thought, right? Let me make sure I got this question right. Um, should finance dictate romance and relationships in the Black community in 2023? <laughs> 2023. <laughs> it's 2020. Yeah, 2020. You're taking it Three. back. You're I mean, taking it back. It, feels like the, it feels like the third version of 2020. It really does. Like there's COVID coming back. It, it, Trump's here again. You call it 2020. Three. Anyway, back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> We're having a back to the future moment up in here. Um, so I'll go ahead and just say and lead on this one. Um, oh, well, so, another black woman saying she's going to lead a conversation about finances with two black men on the panel. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, we got to hear about this. That's why I did it. No, no, that's why I chose those words to be precise. No. <laughs> yeah, it was. Wow. Not SM setting us up for the yeah, Wow. I'm going to get the hate for speaking up about it, right? You see how that works? Go ahead, girl. <laughs> no, no, no. But I actually chose the word lead because of that. Um, anyways, um, I feel that yeah. is it depends on your position, right? If you're coming from a woman perspective or a man perspective in regards to the community. And it also depends on what your values are. And um, as far as if you have these so-called traditional values or these modern values, um, or it depends on like there's I've heard conversations where it's like no romance, no finance. Right. But I also heard some men say that they, they can't do romance if they don't have finance, as in they don't even feel sexually aroused if their finances aren't on point. And then I hear women who say, well, I still want my own bag and the guy got to do this A, B, C, D in order to get with me. Right. You know, I think there's a song you got to have. Matter of fact, Nick, I think you brought this up last week. You got to have a J-O-B to get with me. Right. 
Not to bring it up, something that we were talking about in the pre-production again. Wait, we did not talk about this. Don't go shade, because we did not talk about this at all. I we said gotta have a J, yo, me. Then we had this conversation last week. Yes, no, you're right. You're right. Okay, that's right. We were talking about with Eddie. We're not gonna be throwing no shade on me today. Okay, let's get this correct. Oh, you started, but go ahead. And so, about business. You know, just out of nowhere. Go ahead, man. So I think that finance should dictate, right? But to what degree should it dictate romance in our community is where we need to really have the conversation. To what degree should it dictate and how should it appear in our relationships? How should it look? I think our community, we lack because we don't necessarily talk about finances in a way that benefits our relationships. Okay, Nick, go ahead, man. I told you I was going. I was going to let you go first. Yeah, because nice. <laughs> yeah, Jay's like he's spraying everything. <laughs> Nobody left. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, man, let me think about it. Should finance? I think it, no, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Because I think it it makes the most sense in terms of like strategically how do i move forward like if i'm someone who's 27 to 35 whatever right and maybe i'm making about 60k or something like that it may be 80 or whatever does it make sense for me to find somebody that we share you know uh likes we can communicate effectively there's an attraction there we satisfy each other sexually um we're spiritually connected but also strategically we're able to kind of come together and uh plan accordingly like that to me it's i don't know sometimes things are just like easy math and i get there's a lot of things out there that are trying to tear people apart but i kind of think back or harken back uh to how i met my wife and it really wasn't that complicated, you know? I mean, I know it, is, it might've been a different time, but I think what it is that we complicated by all these noise out here that makes us think we're living lives we're not really, you know, living, right? If you're out there and you're planning, because part of strategy is considering, okay, where do I want my career to go? How much am I making right now? What are my bills? What are my expenses, right? And I want to accomplish a goal, um, home ownership. I want to build a family. I want to, you know, expand my legacy. I want to be a mommy, whatever, whatever that goal is. I want to take vacations. I want to be able to retire by a certain type of age. I want to be able to travel when I retire. Like whatever that plan is, you have to have a strategy. And to me, you know, when two companies, matter of fact, I'll tell you this little story and Jay, you can have it. Um, most of us are familiar with PayPal and I just finished reading the PayPal book. And there was a point in time where two companies, it was X.com, which was um, Elon Musk company. And then it was PayPal. Right. And so these were two separate companies, both kind of hedging at and doing the same thing. They were going to eventually compete with each other. Right. And if they would have done that, they would have destroyed each other because in the realm of startup, your run rate, the amount of money you have, now you're fighting somebody who's a mortal enemy and you guys spend yourselves out of existence. Right. So rather than compete with each other, they thought it made sense for them to merge and that's exactly what they did right and by merging they were able to take the strengths and the and from both sides adjust some of the weakness from the other pool their resources together and then be able to have a united front to eventually build that business despite even more headwinds down the road right they went from a small group of people to a billion dollar company right i use that as an analogy for relationships because a lot of us are like two little middling companies who are barely getting by whatever. Sometimes, I don't know why, we're competing with each other when it makes more sense for us to come together, right, and work through our differences and lean on each other's strengths in order to build a union, a corporation, a body that can be a little bit more prosperous because you guys are working effectively together and you're strategizing and bringing your resources together. And that's why I think economics should, um, because 
economics and finance should dictate a lot of how you fucking move. You know what I'm saying? It's not just relationships. Some of y'all are out here living on credit cards and you live in lives. That's not really the life that you're supposed to be living, but you're fucking with your own psychology because you're living it. And then the, the, the reaper comes. See, now you got to pay this bill and now your debt's fucked up in that same house you want to buy. Anyway, that's a tangent. My point is you have to be mindful of your finances regardless of what you're doing. And if you're not moving in that way, I don't think you're moving strategically. You know what I'm saying? And if that's smart for you, then that's smart for you. But I'll tell you what, that's not smart for me. That's not how we move over here. Let me start with the obvious, okay? Money is power, okay? That's why we call it currency. Because just like electricity powers the things in your home, money powers and allows you to do the things that set and accomplish the goals or have the experiences that you have set out to have in your life, right? One of those experiences is finding a mate. Another one of the experiences is setting down roots and starting a family and, and buying a house or and going on vacation. All the things that we want to do to make our life more fulfilling. Unfortunately, it, because we do live in a capitalist system, but we also live in a world economy that is money is 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 the answer to everything. Uh, you need money, and the money has to be something that you factor in and on the on the front end into whatever you want to do, right? How much money is going to be coming in? How much money will be going out? I think that what the economy is telling us right now is that this idea that we can go it alone is is, is wrong. Uh, I, I think it's telling us uh, that we what we should have already known is that we're be always better together. Uh, we're all two is always better than than one, um, particularly if they're on the same page, of course. Um, Sometimes three is better than two. That's a whole nother talk. We're going to have that one one day, I'm sure. Um, I think that uh, money does influence relationship. That statement of no no finance, no romance, and what SNM said about a guy's uh, uh, penile, a, a guy's penis being connected to his pocket, pocketbook, you know what I mean? If one ain't fat, the other one probably won't get as fat either. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that's kind of true. Uh, because... Um, wow, pause. It, that was a pause. I was late with the pause. Yeah. I was late with the pause. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I feel like. But listen, listen. My bad, brother. I left you on the lurch. <laughs> pause. That's for your sake, not mine. You know what I'm saying? Thank pause. you. Thank you. Thank you. I got your back. Pause. All right. <laughs> okay. So I think that um, I lost my train of thought now. All right. Let me try to get it back. So to make it very short, uh, finance does influence relationship. It influences what we can do with other people. Even it influences how we are able to access other people and what people were able to access to. You can't be a passport, bro, if you can't buy a passport, right? If you can't afford the plane tickets, you know what I mean? So all of that factors in. You you can't take a woman out on a lavish date if you don't have the money sitting up there for it, right? I was watching this one clip on social media. I meant to share it with y'all. This lady's like, yo, my date was going great until, and it's a guy in the background. He's like, what's the bill? He's like, oh no, oh yeah, I didn't, sorry. I did not plan for this much, <laughs> right? <laughs> then he starts negotiating. He can wash the dishes, yeah, the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> and she can go home. Yeah, so the day got to it's end early. Me. It's my responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he stepped up to the accountability. He's like, yo, yo, I got the dishes, girl. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you don't have to watch this. But the point of it was, he wasn't able to move in that. And even in that level of courtship, the way that he wanted to move, because his finances did not match his intent. So I think you have to factor finances in to whatever goal setting you're doing personally, professionally, romantically. 
And I think that what that clip showed is one of the people's main things is like buying a house and real estate and, you know, the investment that it is and building wealth. And that's one of the things that fewer and fewer of us are going to be able to do alone. Right. Um, that's my thoughts on that. I think we can drill down a little closer, though, to like the male, female aspect of it. Um, for instance, would you all agree that most of the conversation today is is a, in honor about women? Like it's about women and what they'll accept. And like, and if that's if you think that's the case with regards to finances, why is that? Well, we did a show about that last week. <laughs> I think we addressed that very question. Watch the show, man. Whether no. or not, I think two houses are on fire. Who First off, first off, all right. Since you came for me, I'm just reading the teleprompter. I'm just <laughs> yeah, blaming all the production. Huh? I'm blaming on production. Yeah. He's like, I got another question. Hey, have we done the show before? <laughs> you know, have we just whether or not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Give me a new question then. So, Somebody pose no, a new no, question. SNM, we want to get in there. So, SNM, give us our thoughts because I think Jay kind of, you know. Uh, go ahead, SNM. What, you, what are your thoughts on the topic? So, I think that for as from a woman's perspective, and also what we hear in the streets, right? We so often hear, and I and I'll admit that I may uh, come from a different breed of women, so to speak, based on what we mm. see on what we see on social media. Right, because I'm all about in here, boy. That's the name of the episode. The elitism <laughs> is giving elitism. The elitism is sticking here. It's not what's happening. You know what? For the remainder of our show, let's just talk our no. talk. Let's, let's rip the bandaid off and just no, talk what our I, talk. Like, the reason I'm saying this is because a lot of women, um at least on, and I'm only comparing with social media because that's where it seems like a lot of the perspective is the loudest, right? And so I'm a big fan of building relationships, right? I'm a big fan that two is better than one. I also think that the fastest way to create financial stability is through marriage. That's why I'm married. Well, that's not why I'm married. I was, I'm married because I love my husband. And then we so happened to build together. We was young and impressionable. It was all this, oh, kumbaya moment. But anyways, moving on past that. And however, seeing eyes, how, <laughs> seeing how the world is today, I find it so fascinating that we now have so many women who and men who claim they want traditional, to be honest, when in reality, black women have never had the luxury of not helping. Black women have never really had the luxury of not having outside income, right? To even the fact that we had laws in certain states where we had to work and whether that translated to bringing the money back into the household or whatnot. And so I find it fascinating that we have so many people who don't recognize the history of where the black woman has always worked and has always built within the within the family structure, within the community. Then we have those folks who say, oh, well, that's because we didn't. there are certain rights that we didn't have. But I think there's a conflation between what happened with a certain movement that was that I'm sure we're going to talk about, the white feminist movement and what was actually reality for black people. There was a mix match, a miscommunication. And we took on some of those issues that were actually our issues and it manifested itself into our relationship today. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have traditional women households in, and when I say traditional women, I mean traditional 
moms, so what's it called, Sam's, S-H-A-M's, and so forth, stay-at-home wives, stay-at-home moms, that I'm not saying that we didn't have that in our community, but we didn't have it to the extent that social media tries to portray. And that's what I think we need to understand. So romance, finance, the Black woman has always contributed for the most part. And getting back to that structure and understanding that we can come together and build together only makes us better. It only builds our community. Now, I know where you guys kind of want to go. <laughs> and so I'm just going to say this. I think go. that... I just let it go there. I mean, again, there you... This is, this, this is not the people that you're there. You got to give her a minute. She's working away. No, no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Now, I'm just going to say this, right? I understand that we're now in the era of where where women grew up with this whole, I'm a strong, independent Black woman, right? It's been something that's been preached to us since about the 70s, I think it was. And so now we're like, we're capable of having our own finances. So at the minimum, we want the man to come with their finances or more finances. And that's the conversation that needs to be had as well, as far as what those expectations are to help build that relationship. There I have a lot more to say, but I'm going to stop. <laughs> Oh, we'll come back. We'll come back to it. Okay, exercising restraints. So I'll I'll try to do that too. I'll I'll say this briefly, and and then let somebody else. There should not be okay. The lion's share in a marriage should be ours. It should not be hers. It should not be his. It should be theirs. Right? That should be the lion's share. Otherwise, why are you with somebody if you're going to do it independently to stay independent? You know what I mean? If you're going to keep going, this is my piece of the pie. This is your piece of the pie. I'm not saying you don't have your own spending money. I'm not even saying you don't have your own account. What I am saying is mentality needs to be one of we are now a unit. We are one thing. So all of our money is in one pot. Now, we can piece it out, everyone to piece it out. But it's it's in the pot for the sake of the team, right? I think that's missing. I think that this idea, first off, let me, let me go back a little bit and, I, and I'll, I'll say this and stop. Women, you said the luxury of staying at home. Staying at home wasn't initially a luxury. It was initially just the way it was because men were the only ones allowed in the workforce, right? That was the way it was. And then women were like, and then due to like World War II, or whatever, all the men went off to war. Uh, was it World War One or World War II? I think it was World War II. Too. And so women started getting more into the factories and they entered the workforce. And once they were in, this is really predominantly white women at this point, once they were in, you couldn't get them back out. Okay. But it wasn't necessarily a luxury to stay home until people had to go out to work. And they're like, oh, shoot, this is what y'all doing out here? Oh, well, I kind of would rather be at home with the children. Some people were like that. That's fine. For, for Black women, I don't think our structure ever really was this. This this one of us goes out and works and the other one stays home and, and just chills because this is the way that we want it. I think that was the, what, the structure that we had to come into. But I do think implicit in that was still everybody is contributing. Every, and that's and I think that's at the heart of it. I think we so much we, we we equate so much of the important contributions in a relationship, i.e. a marriage to the financial contribution when there are so many other things that have to be done to make it work. And these are things that don't happen at your job. That's it. Nick. Yeah, man. I'm sorry. You know, that woman's upstairs making way too much noise. And I have to think about ways I'm going to go there and tell her to pipe down because I'm the man in this household. And that's just how we run this right here. 
I'm go just, ahead. We'll wait. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Like, and make sure you leave the door open. So <laughs> leave the mic open. It reminds me. It reminds me of this thing I saw online where the guy was like, you know, he walks up to his wife and he's like, "Hey, honey, um, you know, you ready to go to the gym?" It's like, "No, I'm not really motivated. Say something to motivate me." And so he just, you know, he pauses for a second. <laughs> he's like, "You need to go to the gym. You fat." And then you see like this memorial that he just dies right there in the moment for even the thought. Um, <laughs> I died on that. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, oh man, but I think you know, jokingly, there is a change happening in regards to expectations and roles. Um, well, first, let me go back. S uh, uh, to your point, I think what happens is people are aspirational, right? So even if that isn't your experience, like even if you weren't in a two-parent household, even if you didn't grow up a certain type of way, we have been sold this dream, American dream, of buying a home and selling down to the burbs and you know, having the two kids and a dog and all that kind of stuff. So I think <clears throat> just like in relationships, we're sold this dream. But what they don't tell you behind the dream is the financial implications. You know what I'm saying? Even those numbers that they showed at the clip at the top, when you look at like the allowable maximum number, I would not live at that level because it's damn near like a big chunk of your income. They're still kind of being modest in what they're talking about, but what they're not telling you is how much money you have left over for everything else, right? And that's why the term house poor comes to play, right? But nonetheless, I just think that people are not moving in such a way that they're putting themselves in the best financial position. And then that shows up in relationships, but they still are aspirational that maybe one day somebody's going to come along and sweep them off their feet. And then that's how we get into this whole conversation about the math, right? Because when we were talking about body counts, for example, we were doing this whole math thing, right? But it's the same way that like when people would say, well, the kind of man that you want, he got to be six feet, he got to make this amount of money or whatever, that number is really, really small. Right. And so that caliber of man is now going to want. So what I'm kind of getting at is, is almost like in the conversation, I think this answers the second part where it's aspirational. But with that person who's able to obtain it, are they still traditional? In other words, the higher you go up, the more money you make, do you think that people are more traditional? Right. Because I think in a way, yeah, because the expectations is that I'm providing at such a level and I'm going to have um, expectations. But what I've learned, though, is that even for some of those women, that's no longer what they want. So what, I, what I'm saying is, is I think we're playing by an outdated playbook of this is what we were taught that we're supposed to want and aspire towards. Right. But it doesn't quite meet where we actually are. It needs an updating. There needs to be like and I think a lot of the gender work conversation is really like this grand bargain, this grand conversation that's being had. And maybe we don't see resolution because people take from the conversation what they will and they go about their business. Um, some of it, there's meat, some of it is bone, right? But I think what's happening is like a glitch in the matrix when these roles are being reversed, but it centers around money because money now, and I think it does specifically for black women sometimes because black women, I think, flaunted almost as much now too. Right. It wasn't a thing like the whole going out on trips, the Louis, the Louis stuff, all the name brand, the 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 weave hair stuff. Right. It's it becomes like who can floss now? It's 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 like flossing season out here. Right. Both parties are competing, but it shows itself through this idea of money. And the crazy part I land here is that the the signs of wealth aren't even is it really wealth to be good with? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, so you spend all this money to pretend like you're something to compete with the other side and it would make more sense if both y'all put that fuck shit down 
take that money and invest it together in that home, you know, build some equity, you know, and, and start to move in such a way that y'all can have a better life. You know what I'm saying? But I do think there's a lot of um, money co competition, you know what I'm saying? And how that changes people's views on things. But I think people aspire to be that rich and then also that conservative, especially in our black community. I think we, we underestimate how big conservatism is still uh, within our community. You know what I mean? And how it's tied into traditionalism and money. Go ahead, Jim. I want. I, I was as you as you guys were talking. I thought back to like the what representations we have. What 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 are these models that we were looking at or whatever? And I thought back to one of the first successful black families on TV, the Huxtables. Okay, the Huxtables. Well, I said one of right, but no, I, the reason why I said one I of is because the other ones. Right, I skip over the Jeffersons because. Uh, that uh, what was her name? That tradition. Uh, because no, did Weezy have a job? Weezy did not have a job. He did not have a job. And, and when Weezy wanted to go work, George had a problem with it. Mm -hmm. He did. He had a real big problem with it. So, uh, so I'm not looking at them, right? I mean, and but we can definitely have that over there to side as an example that we can use as a case study. The case study I'm thinking of is the Huxtables because they were both working, and they were both successful, right? And they both cooked in the kitchen, right? They both looked after the kids. And, and there was no signs in the image that we were shown that this was not a, that, that this was a, a, a system, a pattern that would not work and could not be duplicated. Matter of fact, it was the one I aspired to a, a, as a young kid, right? And to, to some extent, I'm kind of living it now. You know what I mean? I work out of my, my den when I teach or whatever, whatever. I go up, I have lunch with my wife and come back. I'm just like Cliff going down to do the thing. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh my God, I'm living the life, right? Um, I said all that to say. So then I start wondering, how did we get so far from that? If that was kind of like this thing that was held up and we were like, yo, that's kind of dope. I can rock with that. Where do we get to where we are now where everybody wants to people? Pe you know, the women want to stay home. My money is my money. Like, like what happened? Like, I, and that's the part I don't understand. We, we are adopting a model that we really haven't, haven't really seen play out in our own personal lives or even in the media we consumed. And somehow we think it's going to work. Why? Cause TikTok said so. I don't get it. Hold on, Jay. Hold on. So you're saying that because it, if, if we were at home and we didn't see the Cosby's, but we believed we we believed that that was something, even if we didn't see and or experience it, we believed that that was something that could work. Right, that was aspirational, right? So that's what I was saying. I think people can still be aspirational for something that they haven't experienced. You know what I'm saying? And I think we all do that, right? But 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 rarely for something they haven't seen, unless what they're currently seeing is so bad that it makes them drink for more. So, oh sorry, go ahead, Nick. No, go ahead. No, no, no. So this is what I find curious is that we already recognize that there is programming. It's called programming for a reason. And if you notice that there was a gradual decline in programming for the black community. And as a matter of fact, I think this is one of the major differences within the programming of the past and even from the 90s to today is that they took away that whole family structure because there's a lot of people who were aspiring to become like the Hustles. There's a lot of conversations. There was a lot of shows that kind of kind of spun off it. And but that didn't have the desired effect that certain people wanted to have in our community. Right. And so they had to replace it with something. 
And just like even today, we see a new replacement model where we now have the interracial couples and relationships, right? Where we can't have, or the single mother, single black mother as the only thing on commercials or videos and so forth, or the interrelationships uh, between, interracial relationships between either the black man and a white woman or the um, black woman and a white man without recognizing that there's other interracial relationships. So it's all part of that programming that was put on us, right? And so we're not giving, and for some reason, Reason, we don't recognize as a community that yes, it is what we see, but that aspiration point is from what we is from what we see, what we hear is through programming, right? You go to college, you go go to college. That was programmed to us that we were supposed to go to college. It was like versus the trade schools, right? So now we don't have a lot of plumbers in our community. We don't have a lot of carpenters in our community anymore, or at least not in my community. I don't see that, and it's because trade schools wasn't told. We weren't told to go to trade school. We weren't told that this is a, a, something that we need to have. So to answer your question, the reason why we don't see it is because of the programming that we've taken and we've internalized it and continue to promote. And so that's part of the problem. Well, I thought Jay brought up a really good point in regards to the Cosby's, because now that I think about it, the Cosby's probably are and were close to the best model of what we, I think, need now, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The spirit of cooperation, um, watching two people. I mean, that's why, I, I mean, maybe I wasn't sure if I heard Jay correctly, but for me, I didn't really have a lot of things that I saw in the Cosby. In fact, even like the spinoff, you mentioned um, SM, Different World. I, I, I regularly give credit to watching those shows to exposing me to like what a fraternity was, for example, or, um, and even now looking at life, I, I feel like I'm pretty close to like a similar existence, right? And so, uh, you know, going to college, we were programmed to do that. But I think it's, a, a case can also just be made that, you know, if you look at the economic system of America, and when you're talking about coming from an impoverished background, I think education is one of the best roads or, you know, to try to use to spring, you know, to, to move forward, you know what I mean? To take your life from like generational leaps. You know, my I, my grandmother passed away um, and back in 2017. It was around the time that my Younger sister was um, graduated from Harvard, and so the alliteration of Haiti to Harvard uh, within two generations was an easy one. But I think it spoke to just you know using education as a tool to like be able to do things. So um, you know, there's that. But I also think part of what we miss from our education um, is the financial part. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's from school and whether it's from uh, at home. So we don't tend to have that type of. Uh, education to help us propel we get we get the degrees and what's crazy is and also kind of pernicious is that part of getting a degree puts us in debt too for many of us you know what i'm saying so while we do get the education we've we and you can't drop a you know your student loans off of bankruptcy you can drop almost everything else from bankruptcy except for your student loans and if somebody's able to do that you know it's not that i have that issue but you know let me know because we can make some money together okay that's the one thing that you cannot get removed they gonna get that and even old joe tried to get them to wipe it and they was like uh-uh supreme court was like no mm -mm, halt we're not gonna go ahead and do that you know what I'm saying? But I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jay. <clears throat> You're making great points. I, I didn't want to interject. Um, so, no, I, I have nothing to add to that. I think you're absolutely right that um, we kind of have we had these models and we kind of got away from them. And maybe it is because we didn't really continue in our educational track as we were. Maybe because more women are going to college than men, the black men are. Maybe that's the disparity. 
Um, and so maybe it produces results where there aren't as many Heathcliff Huxtables for every Claire, whatever her name was before she got married. <laughs> but it could have been a different variation of that, Claire though. <laughs> I mean, it's going to say a different variation of that. Uh, you know what yeah, I'm saying? So I, like, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go Because I'm, I'm going to ask about rethinking it. So go ahead. Where you oh. well, well, so no, because like I totally forgot about the example of the Cosby's, you know, and that's exactly what it is. And then somewhere along the way, we get nostalgic about a thing that just wasn't there. Because now I can't even think of a show after the Cosby's that was selling us this stay-at-home dynamic, right? And, you know, we often talk about how there are things that were being programmed that are negative for a reason, right? Prison the Pipeline for a reason, like the music for a mm -hmm. reason. Like we often talk about that. So the fact that I think now we're just seeing that we don't need each other programming and that's where, where it's becoming problematic. And, and the times have changed in such a way that it's no longer reliant on television shows to programmers. We're programmed all the time by memes that we see, stuff that we share and we click on on social media. It's actually an even more invasive way to program us because we literally have this appendage to us all the time. So unlike the television where you probably would only really watch when you got home from school or whatever, but now literally you can watch content every time from anywhere, from the bathroom to the job. You know what I'm saying? People are listening to content, you know, through their phones and stuff like that. So the programming becomes even problematic. So it went from what I thought made the most sense economically and they were well off. Let's be clear. The Huxables were well off. Okay. These were not everyday folks. Okay. And I think... <clears throat> What I really also wanted to say was that I think it is becoming money. I don't, I don't think we understand how tied in finance and romance really is because I would be willing to bet the majority of people who are at the highest of finances are also married, right? We're getting to a point where I think it is okay to be elite or to be an elitist about marriage because the way it's, it's starting to feel, it's like people who may not have a certain level of education or certain level of financial literacy or a certain level of, of tradition, right? It's easier for them to say, eh, what's marriage going to do for me? Because they just don't get it, right? It's kind of ties in to the, to the Waffle House conversation. If you don't have what it gets to get beyond because you're dissatisfied with a station, then I can't have but so much empathy for you. You're going to be where you're at. But for people who know, they go out there and they do, you know what I'm saying? And so a lot of times when we was hearing these conversations on Clubhouse, I'd be thinking to myself, I think marriage is about to become some elitist shit that only like the well-off people know about, the only the well-off people experience because they get how inextricably finances can be tied to building generational wealth, to building something beyond themselves. They leverage marriage to find somebody else to work, to bring home capital for them to then turn that capital to double up as opposed to like, oh, I'm just going to do everything by myself. I'll land with this. They say to run fast, go alone, but to run far, go together, meaning that when you're not by yourself, you'll be able to go further, even if it takes you a little bit more time. And that's really something I wanted to get to, because as a person who is married, I'm going to get on my elitist high horse. OK, that's right. That's right. I'm not going to be shamed about it. OK, you know, I try to put nobody down. But I'm just saying, though, for me, I literally have benefited in a way of building um, financially and otherwise and having that kind of support system at the same time. It's amazing. I want that for all of y'all, but hey, fuck me. What am I talking about? But go ahead, Jay or Esther. I mean, 
the imagine wanting better for people, you know, wanting people to be happy and stuff. I mean, who, who would have thought it? That's but then you'll thing. have people say that marriage is not for everyone. And that's true. Marriage is not for everyone. Neither is success. <laughs> Neither <laughs> is success. <laughs> we do have to recognize that most of your arguments within a relationship is based on finances. Even if it's something as minor as, oh, we don't go out anymore. Well, we don't go out anymore because we don't got the finances. Or I'm working to get us to a point to get us where we can go out. Or there's arguments about, oh, I don't have, we barely make enough because we're living check to check. Or I'm by myself living check to check or whatever the case may be. So even our interactions when it comes to relationships between men and women tends to be the arguments in relationship tend to be about finances. And so that's why it's important for us to talk about financial literacy. And I agree with you, Nick. Marriage is one of the easiest. Okay, I'm going to say easiest because now yeah, I may. Yeah, I'm not going to say easiest. Let me not say that because yeah. <laughs> marriage is work. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of people assume that just because you got married, it's supposed to be happy ever after thanks to fairy tales and Disney, you know. And but it's a constant growth process between husband and wife and so forth. Right. And so as part of that financial. But I will say that it is one of the best way to guarantee financial successes. Right. It's one of the best ways to ensure that you're building and getting to a point where you may don't have to worry about traveling. You don't have to live check to check because your $60,000, let's say you're making my $60,000, let's say I'm making that's $120,000 versus, oh, well, I'm making $40,000. He got to make at least $80,000, $100,000. Or I'm making, it's like, let's put it together and so we can build together because ultimately that's what marriage is. Marriage is a cooperation. And like Jay said earlier, the Cosby did an excellent job of showing cooperation, but not just with finances, but with raising the children, with cooking, with the cleaning and the distribution of responsibilities within the house. And I think that's a, another thing that we really need to start having conversations about when Nick talking about the involvement or evolvement, where do we go with these roles? Where do we go for our traditional modern or whatever the case may be? You know, it's funny. Like I think when you, uh, it's when we were thinking about this in pre-production, I was thinking to myself, yeah, we got to come out with this whole list of things. But when Jay brought the, the Cosby one, I felt like that was the easiest one. Right. I think, I think there are some people who are going to still value certain traditional roles. There are young girls who have been taught to cook. They enjoy cooking. Cooking is something that they love to do. It's like their way of giving, right? So I think you're going to still have people who show up a particular type of way. Men will still feel good about being the one to take out the, the trash, you know, to, to make sure that, you know, he's near the gun if somebody comes creeping in the crib. Uh, maybe, you know, you have to, you know, organize things outside or, you know, physical labor, whatever. So I think you're going to always have uh, these type of roles. I think people need to communicate about their expectations in that way and kind of be able to fill each other out to see if it works for them. But I think more importantly, people got to prioritize whether or not it's, those things are as important. I think one thing that I've learned through relationships is you start to really realize what's important. You know what I'm saying? Like some of the minor stuff that we majored on, you just kind of like realize it's not that important. And you also start to learn why people do it. Sometimes people just need an outlet. They want to feel a certain type of way. So this kind of poke a little. So you just kind of learn, I think, to navigate another human being. But I think at the end of the day, like as long as you guys are, you know, working together, um, you can, you know, have regular meetings, you know, discuss the roles, discuss the budget. I think the partnership model goes back to the Cosby. I think it was sellable to us back then. And I feel like you can kind of go back into that retrospective well 
And we grew up on that and say, hey, remember the Cosby's? Remember how they were rocking and building together? Like at some point, they weren't that rich couple. They showed you some flashbacks. You saw how they built. So I think when we talk about the last episode, for example, the idea of people meeting at a younger age and building together, right? And we, as promoting that type of idea, I think it, it stops, it starts and it ends low key with the throwback look to the Cosby's, but just a little bit more modern, right? And then take into account the complexities of each individual situation. But there's there's just too many people who are spying for beyond their means, both in how they spend and their expectations of how their partner is going to show up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I just think if people are a little bit more realistic about where they are and and see and see and appreciate the value in partnership and appreciate the value of of, of uh what's the word proximity because i think sometimes we think it's a bad word and we overlook things that's right in front of us because we're too busy looking over there you know what i'm saying so i think if we could do those things and and, and build that into the culture that might be a better way for us to move out here in these dating streets so why did i have a flashback i'm oh, sorry jay no i you can wait Okay, I just want to say I had a flashback of a comment that somebody made in the clubhouse and it was like date within your pay grade, right? <laughs> when you mm -hmm. talk about proximity, it was like date within your pay grade so y'all can come up together. And also that's why I just had a flashback to that. Just yeah, and so yeah. you all have similar expectations of what your lifestyle can or, or will be like, right? So I think the point Nick was making earlier about having those conversations about expectations, I think is hugely important. I'm gonna come out of left field with something, but because it, 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 it kind of struck in my head when we were talking. Another reason for marriage, people, uh, one of the greatest ways to provide generational wealth that will shift you to a different um, income class is life insurance. And mm. you can't get life insurance on nobody you're not married to unless they're a relative, right? Mm. But one of the, you get married, you can get life insurance on your spouse, they can get life insurance on you, whatever, whatever. And should one of you all depart and leave the other one, now you can really move your family into a whole different stratosphere. So that even if you weren't able to do it with your Waffle House job, I ain't throwing no shade, I'm just saying. Even if you weren't able to do it at that level of income, there are ways that marriage still will empower you to be able to shift your generations forward in a way yeah. that you can never do by yourself. Yeah, let's so, be clear. Jay is not, you know, low key saying to do anything, advocating or presenting in nefarious situations in order for you to, you know, build generational wealth. We're not doing that here at the BLC. You just no, got to no, say that clearly. <laughs> but he does present a good choice. But you know, it's funny when you were saying that, I was thinking about the fact that, yes, I think a lot of families were able to create and generate and pass down wealth through the process of death. So that's a very, very legit point. You know what I'm saying? I just didn't want people to think that we were suggesting otherwise. <laughs> Once you know my story, you'll understand. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coming soon. We're not advocating killing people off. We are not advocating killing people off. We're advocating for financial literacy. One of the yes. main one of the main tools is life insurance. Something yes. and because to be honest, I'm just tired of GoFundMe pages for um, burials and so forth. But that's a little, little, you know, okay. let's get some life insurance. Get, let's get some financial literacy in our community in general, by the way. Oh, just real quick, another disclaimer, because we got to drop these disclaimers. None of us actually sell life insurance. So no. That any part of our advocacy is about that. If it was, we leave a number at the bottom of the screen. But we are not life insurance agent none. people. We're not licensed, nor do we have the desire to. 
Um, not, oh, also, by the way, any advice that we give should not be taken as uh, financial advice. Please take the no. time out to consult with your own uh, financial consultant or people that you trust in that way. We are this just for talking heads. Purposes only. Yeah, this is just for us just shooting the shit uh, yeah. and having a good time with each other while doing it. So again, um, yeah. it's, this, it's the disclaimers for me. It's a strong second for the show title. It's the disclaimers oh. for me. <laughs> All right. So this is not quite exactly what we were talking about, but I, I heard something recently I thought really, really, really resounded. It kind of fits here. Um, a few... Well, anyway, uh, so sometime back on Clubhouse, I mentioned that I thought people should like be engaged for like a certain number of time before they got married. And in that engagement time, they should learn they should learn each other's financial literacy and build and like start trying to tackle things together and to see how that person responds to like financial planning and pressures or whatever. Right. And then someone I was listening to a, a, a celebrity and they said, if you're not willing to commit five years to something, don't undertake it. Right. And they really were speaking about business, but I think it also pertains to relationship. I would say if if you're not financially literate, it's OK for you to find love. I would not get married, though, until you've spent that time with that person, seeing how they move financially and growing both of your levels of financial literacy. So then when you do pull your resources together, you are empowered. Right. And not encumbered. But again, you know, it's crazy. Disclaimer, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're not financial advisors. And so that's no. a perfect disclaimer for me to also say this piece. Um, you know, the funny thing is, bro, financial literacy just starts with, it's like, it's so simple. I don't want to, I think it's, it has to start with simple. I think when people hear it, it just, it just occurred to me that I think when we have these conversations, we start from life insurance and all these different complex things that some people will hear that and they'll tune out, right? Because I think people think that it's the buzzword maybe, what does it fucking mean anyway, right? Like, am I going to really have to put forth a lot of effort? You know what I mean? I think people shut down. They don't really take the steps. So what I want to do real quickly is just say that it's not that fucking difficult. Okay, here's where it starts. Number one, you take how much money you have coming in. Okay, write that down on a piece of paper, right? Um, you can do it monthly, bi-weekly, like depending on how often you get paid. Okay, most of your bills are going to be monthly. A lot of them are going to be on a monthly cycle. So when you list your bills, list it out too, right? Add up how much money you make. <laughs> Add up how much money you spend. Subtract your expenses from your income and how much do you have left. That's step one. If you're if you if you if if you're an adult person trying to be responsible financially, you have to know those numbers consistently. It can't be like just every now and then because we also know that people spend money like just you know just whenever, right? So you have to have the discipline to write down your income, subtract your expenses, and see how much you have left. And what's the beauty of that? Is that that's going to then get you to the next step, right? That's going to determine your next step. I, I'll be honest with y'all. I think there's a lot of people who don't even have a simple budget. They're, they're doing like running math in real time and not really thinking about saving for anything, you know, whether it's a college fund or an emergency, right? And they think they need a lot of money because here's the easy part. If the expense part is less than how much you're bringing in, now you have choices, and now you can say, okay, I'm going to move a certain type of way. But if it's less than, like meaning that you're bringing in 900, but your bill is 1,000, right? Now you have to reduce your bills. Mm -hmm. Now you have a different set of choices. Do I really need this streaming channel 
for right now. I, I got this gym membership I'm not going to. Maybe my ass needs to take some calisthenics. Let me show I can consistently walk across around the block first before I go spending several hundred dollars for this fancy gym membership that I'm not using. Like whatever that is, right? So that's why I say it's simple. It doesn't have, and then as you do those things, then yes, you want to start talking about living wills and trusts. And yes, we want to talk about life insurance and all that. But a lot of times when we hit these conversations and it's amazing, real estate people, life insurance people, they come on the scene and it's like the people you're talking to don't even have a budget. You know, credit is not where it needs to be, you know. So I think we got to start with the basics. And I think just the, you know, I'm going to land with this, right? Remember how on the Karate Kid, he was on the beginning, Mr. Miyagi would have Karate Kids do some what seemingly was rudimentary shit, right? Oh, I'm just washing the car. Like, why is he teaching I want to learn karate? Why? Because karate is more complex, right? But he wanted to get that muscle memory of doing that action. And so when he showed him how to apply that action, that very same action had applications in other ways. So if you become a little bit more disciplined with your budget, meaning you're constantly thinking, you're planning, you're you know thinking about your reservoir, you're hitting your goals, think about that vacation you save for. All these things happen from the muscle memory you get by starting with one simple thing, which is knowing how much money you make, knowing how much money you spend, and then figuring it out from there. I just had to say that, man, because I don't think it's that complicated. Just like relationships, I don't think it's that complicated, y'all. So I just have one pushback. And oh, push back, girl. No, push not back. for you, for Jay. Okay, yeah, she pushed back all the way there with both <laughs> hands. Give him a good shove. <laughs> when, when he stated that, you know, you should live together, figure out how the finances work together for like five years, I guess it would be, um, to figure out that's what you want to do before you get married. Um, well, considering I, that, we actually, uh, unless I heard you incorrectly. I did um, not say live together, but go ahead. Okay, what did you say about figuring out finances, because I don't want to miss- So I'm saying like, all right, so let's say I meet a chick and I think she's the one and we're dating exclusively. And I think she's somebody I can marry, right? We should talk about whether or not we think each other is marrying material before I get down on one knee with a ring, right? That's just good planning, right? Mm -hmm. you, should, you should really kind of know what the answer is going to be before you pop the question. Otherwise you end up on somebody's geometron looking silly. So don't do that. All right. So now, provided we've had the conversations, we both identified each other as somebody we'd like to marry, then we both should have some, we should then have a conversation about where we would like to be starting out as a couple, as a married couple. And then together, well, well I got this stuff on my, on my credit report, babe, and I got this and this and this and that. And she's like, well, I got this and this and that. Together, we can start working on individually what we need to be better as a team when we come together. That will show you that person's level of financial literacy and discipline without you having to invest in them in a way that allows them to walk away and you feel like you got taken. And I'm not saying you got to spend five years, but I'm saying five years is a really long time for somebody to fake the funk. Most people cannot put their, represent, their representative out there consistently for five whole years. That's why a lot of marriages fail in the first five years. They call it the five-year itch. It's just It's a thing. I don't know if it deals with the, the cycles of human development or our growth and maturity or just the patterns and frequencies of our lives and our energy. I don't know how deep it gets, but I do know five years is a really good time to see what somebody's made of in order to determine if you want to invest another 20, 30, or potential lifetime. And it's also time for you all to, to level yourselves up 
to the point that when you come together, you are, there is actually a synergy where you're better together than either one of you could have been separate. That's my point. Go ahead. Okay, so now I understand. Because at first, what was that, Nick? You're on mute. Yeah, you're on mute. Sorry about oh, my bad. I guess you know I, I call it the case of the SMs, but the thing is, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> you shoot, I shoot, I shoot back. I shoot back. No, but tell it. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, um, so thank you for clarifying because I actually do agree with that part of it. The five years, um, I felt like that was kind of going away from where we can't say we advocate for young people to get married, but then at the same time say that they need to have a five-year waiting period. But since you clarified the steps that you're talking about, I do agree with those steps. And then that may manifest itself in two years, three years, four years, right? And um, so I'm cool with that because I'm a big proponent of young folks getting married, right? So, and especially since we just talked about, hey, the best place to find a husband was in college. (laughs) And even for those who aren't college bound, right, the best place is still young so you can build together. And so but having that conversation, I do agree that you should have the conversation. It's okay to work on yourself first before you come together. I will admit some of the things if I would have known because I got married at 21, if I would have known certain things about finances, particularly pertaining to the student loan debt, then I would have been like, whoa, hold on a second. I have X amount of student loan debt. You have X amount of student loan debt. Let's not consolidate this debt. <laughs> Let you work <laughs> on that debt. Right. Listen, there's different approaches. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. So, so I'm just saying I, I can kind of agree with that. My original pushback was because I thought you were saying that it needs to be a five-year waiting period, basically. And so <laughs> that's what my original pushback was about. So remind me to tell you at the end, uh, after we're, we're done this, I had this idea from our conversation. Just I'll just say it's an app. So remind me to bring it up, right? Um, because one of the things I think about, to your point, Jay, I don't know if it necessarily takes that long. I mean, just like people can go get STI tests and show up paperwork or go together, whatever. You can get your credit score and your credit report, you know, pretty quickly. I mean, on your phone, even if you were kind of doing it that way. Right. So I think when people are serious about taking that relationship to the next level, they certainly should be having those conversations and should be literally putting all their cards on the table. Um, because I think it's just the most responsible thing to do, right? Even when I mentioned the acquisition or the merging of those two companies, they had to do what's called due diligence. You know, they looked through all the paperwork to make sure, what was the risk of me taking on this business? What are the plus sides? Where's the opportunity with the growth, right? And so I really feel like, you know, we, we talk about love all the time and I think that's how we've been sold. And I get that, right? Don't get me wrong. You know, I got married for love too, right? But notice there was also a two in there, right? There were other factors that I considered. Some of them were very practical. And some of them were also just very responsible in terms of having a vision, you know, at least at that level, nor did I think it was going to get to a certain place. But I think, again, people, I literally had an Excel spreadsheet. Like that's where my whole budgeting journey started off from. So when I talk about like budget, I didn't do anything like super, you know, great. It was just literally because Excel allows you to do the math automatically if you enter the little formula. So I didn't have to go plus that. I literally would just put my information in there and spit out something because I programmed it that way. And I'm like, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? I was able to kind of slowly matriculate from there. You know what I mean? But I'll say this as a final thought for me and you guys can certainly get in on your final thoughts because we have been talking about this and the entire show has been rocking for a, a nice amount of time. Look at us, y'all. Yeah, we, record we for another two. Two, two plus hours. Um, but the last thing I want to say real quickly, and then we'd love to get your final thoughts before we get up out of here. You know, the thing I, re- I remember from some of our previous conversations was like people would always reference how in the past 
women had to stay in relationships, right? Because they weren't able to open up bank accounts and stuff like that. In other words, they were assuming that those women was allowing finances to dictate their situation, right? Because the question I think we started off by asking today was should finances impact, dictate romance and relationships? And the pushback a lot of times from women in those conversations was like, well, women didn't have a choice. Now they're having a choice now, right? So they're kind of admitting that once upon a time that women were making choices as it relates to finances. Now, the part that I hate about some of those conversations is that they don't take in, they make it seem like they were all bad. Like every dude who was ever provider. Now, I'm not talking about, because SM is right, it wasn't happening on that scale, but even in those homes that it was happening in, you know what I'm saying? There was just different dynamics you know what i'm saying it doesn't mean that oh my gosh she was miserable she was slaving because they always seem to want to make it that right some of them love their situation some of them did not but the point i'm trying to make is is that i get you didn't have a choice back then but now you do women you do have a choice on whether or not you want to partner with someone you have even more say in the dynamics of that partnership this is not back in the day so while you might have been forced back then financially, and that was a bad thing, but I don't know if you're just dealing with some generational trauma to not realize that you actually have a choice. And by having that choice and being empowered, you have more resources to bring back to the home. You know what I'm saying? Like if it was before where I had to be up here and you had to be down here, yeah, we're gonna come up together or whatever. But now if you're up here too, shit, that's less ground than we have to cover. You know what I'm saying? Like, and nobody's forcing you to do that. And you have more leverage. In fact, I think women probably have, as American women probably have the most leverage they've ever had in their entire lives as it relates, I think, to dating and dealing with men. Now, it's the same applicable for everybody because not everybody's attractive like that or has certain aspects. So don't, don't attack me. I hate to be the bearer of that news. But on par, women, because matter of fact, like my good brother Jay said on the last pod that women can dictate and set the expectations for what they want from their mates. That's power. That is leverage. You know what I'm saying? So instead of using it in a combative way, right, come together. Right. Figure out what your priorities are, what your goals are, bring your resources together and build. You know what I'm saying? But I think because we're so ignorant financially that we don't see that as a value to help motivate us in a particular direction. What we see is the surface shit. We chase the temporary shit idea of happiness that is fleeting. It's like a, a crackhead searching a high that really isn't of substance. It's a term. It's a it's a it's a a temporary illusion, a high, it's a fix. It's not real life. You know what I'm saying? So rather than chase that shit, chase some real shit of substance, find somebody to build with. You put your coins together. I put my coins together and we build something amazing together, man. But y'all go ahead. That's my final thoughts. Man, man I got to tell these people these things. It's, it's, it's pretty right there. Go ahead. Man. So <laughs> I realized to the women I realize that we receive conflicting messages all the time. I realize that on one hand, we're being told that men want traditional women. And therefore, in order for you to be traditional, because they're the provider, the protector, and your role and responsibility is to cook, clean, and so forth. I realize that's one message. I also realize another message is the 50-50 community, where they say, no, we are going to be 50-50. We build together. And um, and I actually lean towards the 50-50 community, to be honest. But 
I realized that within that 50-50 community, there's conversation that's being had where these men who are saying that they want 50-50, but at the same time, they're not being 50-50 in other aspects within the household, which is making marriage seems unattractable to women now as well. And so my only advice when it comes to this, especially because financial literacy is an important part, and we have to recognize that finances drive our relationships, whether we want it to or not. Even if you're unhappy, if you're unhappy, you're unhappy is usually financial related. If you're happy, it's because you feel like you had something happen that was like a trip or something, but that was also based on the fact that you had the ability to have the finances. And so my thing is, if we recognize that finance is important, basically go where you believe you belong. So if you're a person who want the guy to be the provider protector and ha and you're having these conversations, a lot of times we shy away from these conversations. Men and women shy away from these conversations. If we're having these conversations, don't be afraid to have the conversation and don't be afraid to put out there what you want. Like Nick and Just both said, women have the power, I'm going to put quotation marks on that, but they definitely have the power to choose who they want to be with, right? They definitely have the power to direct what they're willing to accept and what they're not willing to accept. So know what you want and what you're willing to accept and how that parlay into the relationship. And that means having a conversation. A lot of times we say provide and protect without recognizing what that actually means. A lot of times we say we want this or we want that 50-50 or whatever. And at this point, you just have to know what works for you. So if you're part of that community that wants to be a stay-at-home, traditional, provide, protect, then be a part of that community. If you're part of the community that wants to build, and, and when I say build, I don't mean a derogatory manner because traditional women actually build their husbands as well. Um, is just built in a different way. They focus and support in a different way. And But if you're part where we're going to build generational wealth because we're in this together and I'm putting 50 in the house, then it's also incumbent upon both partners to determine what 50-50 look like in regards to the household in general. And I'll land there. All right. So my last final thoughts are the pushback on this term traditional wife. I don't think that this stay-at-home type all right, first off, I think there's a problem with marriage. People think, or a problem with the way we view marriage. We somehow seem to think, or some of us think, that marriage means this is my opportunity to do less, right? And that's not what marriage is. Marriage is this is my opportunity to do what I've been doing with someone else working alongside of me. That's what that is, right? The work still got to be done. So you can't like get in a marriage and just take off unless you've spoken to your partner and you said, listen, these are the areas where I'm going to be stepping down and I need for you to step up. And that's the kind of conversation you have before anybody slides the ring to anybody else, right? Not after the ring or whatever. I do think SNM, you're right on point. Nick, you're right on point. People got to have those financial conversations. They got to have them sooner rather than later. We, you do need literacy. Teamwork is required. But I think the traditional, the, the moniker of traditional wife should go to the wife who does whatever needs to be done so that the family is good. That's traditional wife. Or whether that's staying at home, raising the kids, or whether that's going out and, and making bread. Whatever you got to do so your team is winning, that should be the tradition. Everything else should be irrelevant, right? Now, that's my thing. And I don't think anybody should look down on anybody else in their relationship or how they choose to do that. Because if two people can come together and work out the division of labor and responsibilities in a way that makes them successful as a team, 
then everybody else needs to shut up and let them let them cook, let them work. Boom. And then don't be jealous and don't be whatever. Go find somebody who likes to move the way you like to move or will let you move the way you'd like to move. And if you're lucky enough to find that, kudos to you, right? But all of this stuff about, well, he got to be this and he got to be that or she got to be this and she got to be that. It's extra. It's really extra. There's no, I meant to say this too, to the guy who was like trolling me about my answer uh, to another, to a previous thing from last week. I never intend to express that there's only one answer to anything, or there's only one way to do anything, or that anything I say is going to be applicable to everybody. When I think about things or I'm trying to answer a question or solve a problem, what the answer that I'm reaching for is the answer that answer that I believe is the most good for the most people. It ain't going to be everybody's cup of tea, nor should it be. Everybody's different. Be you. Be different. But own who you are. Know who you are. Present that person so the person you're trying to get with can make a judgment as to whether or not you all can effectively build together, be it finances or anything, right? There is no romance without finance. You can't take your sweetie out and be extra sweet if you can't cover the meal, right? I can't go to, I can't give my wife a beautiful romantic uh, bedroom, right, if I can't afford tea lights from Dollar Tree. It's just, you're going to need some, you're going to need some finance. So as you attempt to move and navigate this romantic uh, 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 sphere and, and landscape, please make some financial plans because your ability to move romantically is directly kept by your ability to navigate and how you handle your finances. And I'll land there. So I got to say this, and if you guys need to, to, to add in as well, because I'm kind of bad at <laughs> them going to sneak in the 50-50. Like we had this entire conversation without saying the word 50-50, right? And SM was going to just do it in there as the final thought, like towards the back end. Like, you know why SM? It's called a final thought for a reason. You know, it's supposed to run know, the clip, sir. <laughs> mm, I don't know. It's like you, it's like you wanted to go for another hour. Your, your your producing skills are needs to still need to be verified. And it's so uh, I don't know if you were communicating on that level, man, because you know when you say 50-50, it sparks people like if we were gonna do that, that could have been like at the top of the conversation, right? So you go join, join in towards the end, and, that, and then on top of that, like, okay, so that one clip of SM saying 50 50, we're gonna just, whoo, that's gonna lead the show for the phrase. We have other, I'm just saying, because there is, we all know that people have a perception when you bring up 50 50, but you did that for a reason, right? Because I think the complaint always is like, oh, the man is not pushing his weight enough. Like, what exactly are art men doing? Because what I'm hearing from not only men who are doing that, but I'm also hearing from men who are going above and beyond that it's not enough for some of y'all. Like the, the flightiness of, oh, I'm not happy today. I'm losing myself. Niggas over here providing an entire life for her and the family. And it's like, oh, you ain't doing nothing. We don't talk about that part, right? Of women who are being cared for, who take that for granted. Like not only does that nigga have to be away making all the bread to provide the comfortable life for her, but he also has to come home and have enough bandwidth for the children and the emotional connectivity. And she's over here complaining about how she had to make some errands. So when I get home, she's complaining about how she's tired from running errands. Is that what we talking about? So. Unfortunately, I lost connection for a second. Yes, so I missed God. part of your rant because um, it was a <laughs> final thought. And so, <laughs> that's the pod. 
Wrath I'm gonna have, have to replay a portion of this once we yeah, get played. So to. I can't answer your question. I was just saying um, you brought up the whole 50-50 thing, but you know there's always like the it's always the same complaint from women that they ain't getting back enough as if they're also showing up all the time the way they're supposed to. And I'm just letting you also know that there are women who are being cared for in that way, but they're still complaining. It's still not enough. You dig what I'm saying? And so men literally are seeing these things and that's kind of causing them to not also want to get married. So when we talk about the reasons why women may have hesitancy and stuff like that, then, okay, let's open up the conversation so we can talk about it from both sides. But I'm just so saying- man, like, I think we need to have this as a whole nother conversation then. So yeah, man. Mm, because- Yeah, yeah. Not, a, not a final thought. This, uh, yeah, this yeah. is yeah, another conversation. <laughs> And so, because I see you feel some type of way it's about that. Dirty word. It is a dirty word. You know, 5050 is a dirty word, Dark Community Girl. You was on that clubhouse. <laughs> uh, well, you're up to right. They you're said submission. Like, Come on, I man. Thought the women thought it was a dirty word because they don't want to pay 50% of the bills. So that's that's why they're thing. all single still. That's why a lot of them are still are single still. this is still. why <laughs> I say go where you belong. Go with the folks who you believe with. And okay. so... <laughs> Anyway, I'm, about, I'm gonna be the rich a auntie. You're gonna be the broke auntie, sis. You ain't even got no savings now. That little 401k this money. House, this house is a little tough for you. This hidden home for you, Nick. Uh, you listen, it's all hollering like, what's going on here? Because all that vacations, vacations at Birkins. Girl, stop. Fifty fifty oh, is still keeping score, and that's huh? the problem. Fifty fifty is still keeping score, right? Listen, right. We, yes, we, everybody should be given a hundred percent. Yes, so that's why I said we can have a whole honest. other conversation about that. We have to be uh, honest. There's a lot of old people out here with no support from their children, bro, because they ain't got it like that. I'm trying <laughs> to tell you. And guess what's going to happen when they get older? You want to talk about the opposite of generational wealth? Come on, man. You really mm. think that many people? I'm, a, but no, in all seriousness, right? We talk about money in all seriousness, right? Do you think a majority of us married or otherwise are doing financially great, right? I would say we, we all would agree that a majority of Americans married or otherwise aren't doing that great, right? Would we all agree with that? Mm -hmm. right? So you think women individually are going to do that much greater for these rich auntie wannabes out here? That's that's the reality that we want to sell them that dream? So yes, yes. No, no, no. Well, yeah. I will say if you don't have any kids, hey. if you don't have any kids, yeah, financially you'll be doing better. Yeah. You will yeah. be doing it, but you'll be doing it alone. My my protection costs money too. You ain't paying for security. <laughs> Just because I don't have to show up and kill somebody yeah. all the time does not mean I did not get compensated for providing my services twenty four seven that we're together. I'm sure security guard. I'm day. your on call handyman. I'm your on call mechanic. If need be, I'm your on. Come on, man. What are you talking At the about? end of the Just day, because I ain't doing the work all the time. Everybody, hope y'all get credit for being on call. At the end of the day, everybody. <laughs> needs to take in financial literacy because everybody is moving individually and it's better if we move as a partnership is better if we move together versus individually because that same woman who's paying her bills by herself the man is paying his bills by himself as well so how can we come together to build is what the gist of the conversation is and should be. And that's why we have this conversation about financial literacy within our community so we can bring this home and hit that clip. What's up?
It's your boy Drizzy Drake, and you are now rocking.